Blog Talk Radio.
Father, we praise you, Lord God, and we thank you. Father, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> thank you, Father, through the presence, through your presence, through the presence of the Lord Jesus, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, I praise you for reminding me to turn that little volume uh, button up, or else we would have had no sound in the beginning of the show. And I just thank you for reminding me at the last very split second, and I just give you all the glory. Father, thank you for all of the times that you touch us with many miracles in our walk, with amazing things that happen in our lives, oftentimes of which we fail to thank you and praise you for. Father, may we all, whatever it is that, it, that, that is required in our lives, to give you gratitude and thanks throughout the day. May, us, may we each put, I have a little gratitude stone here. I really, really like it. And I, I pray that everybody has something that will remind them throughout the work day, throughout the uh, throughout any day that we are blessed to be able to serve you. Father, that it, that we will have a little reminder, whether it be something we carry in our pocket or something that sits on our desk before us, to just stop and take the time to give you the glory, to praise your holy name, to thank you for your incredible divine protection, for to helping us to get through the things that we uh, inevi- inevitably and 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 through through your grace have to go through in order to refine us to the place that uh, you need to refine us to. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every single listener of this show, past, present, and future. Father, that they find that place in the secret place of the Most High. They they snuggle in close to you, Father God, as our dear Father, our Abba Father, and and really commune in a way with you, Lord Jesus, that like we have never communed before, that you, we truly make you our first love, that we miss you when we're not spending enough time with you, that we you just bask in the presence of your glory, bask in the presence of your favor, bask in the presence of all that is you, because the, the days that we're in right now, I don't think any of us would really be able to, to 
to, to deal with the things that we know that you know we know are happening around us the the closing into the darkness the uh, wokeness that's taking over the world the, the absolute horrific horrific uh, in many cases unrepeatable evil uh, that is happening uh, and being thrown directly into our face on virtually every newscast virtually every web article that is out there so little holiness, so little righteousness exists out there, Father. And uh, for those of us who, um, you know, do want to look around and see the state of the world and understand and do what you told us to do, Lord Jesus, and that is to watch. Watch ye therefore. To watch ye therefore. And we know that we are in the uh, the throes of things. We know that, um, you know, the end times events are uh, ramping up. Uh, they surely have been ramping up for an awful long time. Um, we have so many reports, Father God, and uh, and of course, you know, we praise you for all of these things. So many reports coming in from all over the all over. I mean, it's just I don't need, I can't even I I mean, it's just wow um, uh, about uh, military vehicles inside of little towns in Pennsylvania and all kinds of exercises that are taking place with untold numbers of troops and and explosions and all kinds of stuff all over the United States and various parts of the country, but yet. Father God, we remember Jade Helm so very clearly. We remember so many false alarms that have occurred over the last 12 years that it keeps us Nepho. It keeps us sober-minded. Nepho is the Greek word, sober-minded, uh, so that we are able to continue the, 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 the journey and to draw in closer to you, to sing to you, Lord Jesus, as truly our first love, to become one with you in our walk, and to pray, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, that you would lift us up and hold us to straighten out our path to, for us to grow intimate, intimately with you that we develop a divine trust, a, a truly divine trust, one which isn't shaken easily, one which uh, we walk through and we just know in our heart that we are going to be absolutely okay, that no matter what happens, no matter how dark the darkness does get, as we continue to, to recognize the power that you have given us in prayer and to leverage that power uh, as as Charles Spurgeon said he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal and we praise you Father God for helping us to understand that that power is ours and we are expected to use it hallelujah and we pray in the name of Jesus Father God that you will continue to keep us uh, um, you know in a state of communion in in a state of praise and worship and adoration and intimacy with you, Lord Jesus, in such a fashion that we cannot even imagine not wanting to be in the secret place of the Most High, not wanting for even a moment to not be in prayer with you and to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters as they struggle through their intermittent periods of difficulty that we have all gone through and knowing that they too will be praying for us as well uh, when we are given that, uh, that short period of respite that you are so kind and merciful Father God, through your loving kindness, to give each and every one of us at one point or another. We, you, you know that we need to catch our breath. You know that we need to come up for air. And we praise you for those short periods of time in our walk uh, that you do allow us to, 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 to gather ourselves together and to spend more intimate and peaceful time with you, uh, preparing us even, even the more uh, for the challenges that uh, we should anticipate very well 
may come our way and will likely come our way as we continue uh, the refiner's fire walk that we all have to go through through our sanctification process in order to uh, please you, Father, and to walk in harmony with your will and use that power of prayer to save the souls of the lost people all around the world to come against the principalities and the powers of the spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness and high places, and in the name of Jesus, to set the captives free. And in many cases, those fellow captives, those captives are our fellow brothers and sisters. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to fortify us, help us to understand how you want us to pray, help us to understand when you want us to pray, and continue to clear our path, steady our pathway, Father God, make it straight, Proverbs 3, 5, so that we're able to serve you better now than we have ever before. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and thank you both now and forever and now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy. And to you, Father God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we are. I hope that you enjoyed. Um, I took uh, Friday night off, and I think a lot of you know that, and some of you probably don't, and it's fine either way. Uh, I did get uh, some communications from some folks. Um, and Sister Nancy, thank you very much for your communication. Um, a lot of people were really blessed to go back in time. Sister Vera, thank you very much. God bless you. Uh, go back in time uh, with that program, uh, the one. Uh, and thank you, Brother Justin, for 
for uh, the the feedback on the sound quality. Praise Jesus for that. Um, uh, uh, anyway, um, I just wanted to thank everyone who did take the time to uh, write me and let me know what a blessing it was um, for uh, you to be able to hear the Flight to Heaven radio program with Brother or you know actually he's now a pastor, Pastor Dale Black. Praise God. Um, but yeah, what an amazing testimony that was. And, um, you know, and it was kind of a blast from the past. You know, we got to go back and get a little bit of, you know, the good times, the good old days when we had Kenneth on and uh, 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 just, you know, the chickens, you know, which were regular on the scene. You know, I mean, uh, you know, just we had a lot of fun, uh, you know, uh, but we were also very, very blessed with having some incredible um uh you know guests like hey hey who let you out of the for crying out loud i told you get out out stop pecking me get get back get back hey out get Ugh. Ugh. we had a lot of fun with the chickens but anyway um uh but anyway thank you for your feedback uh it was a really anointed show to what really for me i mean i can't you know, I did not listen to it. Um, I was taking some time off, putting my feet up, you know, just disconnecting from the world. Sometimes I have to do, believe me, I, I would love to be able to afford a flight to Bora Bora. I would love to be able to sit there on, on the side of one of those incredible cabanas that go out into the water, uh, crystal clear blue water, so beautiful. I mean, wow. Uh, you know, and just dip my dip my toes in it and just be able to kick back with an umbrella drink and and just you know enjoy the glorious beauty of God's creation and you know I wish I was young and, and nimble enough to climb up a banana tree but he, but even and you know get a fresh banana off the tree but you know when I consider that I couldn't even do that when I was in high school you know and in gym class I could I, could, I was one of those kids that couldn't even climb the rope you know so uh, so I got made fun of and that's okay but anyway um, praise God um, you know we um, it is just a powerful and mighty blessing to be able to go back in time and listen to such an anointed program as the one with uh, Flight to Heaven with uh, Captain Dale Block because what really touched me the most, and I, I remember that doing that show like, almost like it was yesterday, what touched me the most is when uh, Dale was trying to share with the listening audience the experience that he felt when he was in heaven. Okay, he literally did hit the best that he could, but he broke down. He broke down. He started to cry. He could not. So here's a person that's every bit as old as I am, probably five or six years my senior. Uh, you know, I'm I'm as old as Moses, so you can pretty much do the math right there. Um, uh, you know, and um, you know, and he just broke down, and I. I was very, very blessed uh, at the moment to have his book open on my desk, or it might have been on Kindle or whatever, uh, right in front of me where he was, you know, um, basically, you know, giving testimony of what happened to him while he was there. And I was able to pick up and read wh where he what he just couldn't continue forward. He couldn't continue forward. He was so emotionally overwhelmed with glory of remembrance of how incredible heaven was in that experience that 
God allowed him to to touch and feel and and be a part of uh, that it overwhelmed him and um, and that that emotional flow was oh man so contagious praise God so anyway I hope you were blessed with that praise Jesus uh, I had I got a couple, a few people uh, did you know communicate with me about um, the program that I did on Wednesday uh, regarding um, you know uh, the tie-in there the big tie-in was the idea of the alien invasion being or I I, I, I so I digress I'm going to erase what I just said and I'm going to go back and restate it they are multiple alien invasions now that young boy Jeremy he was shown an alien invasion where they ate people and uh, you know he referred to them as demonic presences which essentially they are I mean they're they're twice dead and you know, like the giants, you know, when the giants were walking the earth, were they demons? No, they weren't. But when you killed them, did they become demons? Yes, they did, because they were twice dead. They were strange flesh, just like it says in Jude. All right, so anyway, um, but, you know, the the concept of being able to pull that all together and recognize this particular alien invasion was very humongous, horrible, uh, unbelievable. They were eating people, and he was telling his mother that. Uh, and then the epiphany, the revelation associated with that testimony was the fact that he told her that she would not be on the earth at that time. Now, of course, it is, you know, remotely possible that she might, you know, have gone home to heaven for any one of a thousand other reasons. But I would think the most natural assumption would be that she was raptured, okay, prior to that, which would mean that the barley harvest rapture would have would be happening before that alien invasion that's going to be layered on top of World War III when it's in full bloom. When I say full bloom, I mean, you know, an American, Iranian, Turkish, Russian, uh, Israeli tanks and weaponry all going at it all at once. Okay, not pockets of wars, not wars and rumors of wars. I'm talking about the whole big bad thing going down, you know, bombers dropping bombs and all that kind of stuff. And I, I actually do have uh, testimonies, uh, for prophecies, dreams and visions, uh, those of which I could read to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that talk in pretty vivid detail about those things. As a matter of fact, even the uh, Sarah Manet vision of 1979 has a section in it, uh, only about a paragraph, about when Russian and Chinese troops descend upon the United States. Now, right prior to her saying that, though, she did admit that the events that God was flashing before her eyes were moving so quickly that she had lost Time, You know, she really lost touch with time. And when she said that, that was our, our yellow flag to take note that she might be getting things out of order. The amount of time that she estimates that she thinks that she might have saw something happen could no longer be trusted. And really, I've come to the conclusion whenever I read prophecies, dreams, visions, whatever the case is, anything prophetic from a believer, that there is going to be time distortion. That's just a normal natural thing. If they say three weeks, buckle up. It could be th six months. Okay, there's, it, you know why? Because it, it's 100% of the time. 100% of the time thus far that any person who calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior that has, ha has had a prophecy, dream, or a vision that had any time element so many weeks uh, this fall the year 2012, whatever, if they used a time element, 
it was always wrong. Every time, every single time. So I think that it's safe when we're doing our own personal analysis and writing, making our own list of things that we're looking for as we watch for the coming of our Lord for us. And we don't, don't forget, don't forget, you know, when, when Sori Park was with Jesus, Jesus told Sori Park, Pastor Sori Park, that, you know, not only didn't, would, would NASA come on television and tell everybody that the aliens took the people, but uh, he also told Pastor Sori Park that the only ones who would hear the trumpet sound would be the people that were getting taken. Okay, so that's very important to note because there's going to be gazillions of Christians on the earth that were not practicing holiness and righteousness and were not ready to be taken in the barley harvest. And then they will ultimately uh, flip over and become part of the wheat harvest, which is going to happen during the day of the Lord. After the three days of darkness, there will be about 40 days that they will be touching people's lives, uh, but in a partially transformed state. Okay, so that's, that's the wheat harvest. Okay, and then heaven forbid the uh, tribulation saints would be part of the grape harvest, and they're found in Revelation chapter 14, especially with the NLT version, because the NLT version actually calls it a grape harvest. Okay, so it specifically uses those words, which I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, But yeah, I feel sorry for them. And I got a lot of theories about how God's going to treat it. I honestly believe that the two witnesses and the fire breathing out of their uh, mouths is a metaphor for uh, a subset of the bride who accepts the mission. Take the mission, John! Take the mission! They're going to take you in another room and they're going to offer you to go into eternal rest. Or take the mission, John! Take the mission! The only I could figure the mission was, was to become one of the two witnesses uh, and ultimately use the power of the fire of God against the evil so that we can go in and help uh, those who have the seal of God on their foreheads make it through the horrible things they're going to have to endure during the Great Tribulation until they are removed from this evil planet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And I'm sure there'll be so much extra food at the wedding supper and they'll be so glad to join us. But oh my goodness, boy, oh boy, what a, oof, I don't even want to think about the things that, I don't even want to think about the things that we have to go through. All right. When you think about it, really, when you when you look out there, okay, you open your eyes and you open your ears and you take a scan around the internetosphere, it becomes pretty obvious to some small subset of God's people, not everybody, but a subset of them that, um, you know, CBDCs are coming, um, you know, that there's graphene oxide nanoparticles inside the uh, Pfizer vax, that Pfizer is an extremely satanic organization, uh, that these are antennas that are that have been planned to be injected into human beings to receive 5G signals eventually. Uh, I It took me a while to connect the 5G part to it all, uh, but then I rem- eventually it hit me. It was a nodal issue. It has to do with uh, 5G being able to handle more endpoints, okay? To, uh, it, 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 the higher the frequency, the more endpoints. Well, there's since there's two billion people on the Earth, that's a lot of endpoints. So that's a lot of you know endpoints or nodes on the global network that need to be communicated with uh, through the transmission of these towers to mind control people and to ultimately control the population into a Orwellian 1984 hor- horrific existence on this Earth. And I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be here. I don't even want to wake up someday and find out that I can no longer get to my bank account because they've converted everything over to you know central bank digital currencies. All right, um, that whole thing is just too horrific. I, I mean, can you even imagine? 
Can you even imagine for a moment how awful that's going to be? So you've got that. You've got the ESG social credit score. We have the, you know, all the wokeism stuff that's still going on. We got, uh, you know, the, the um, you know, LGBT, LMNOP and all that other, you know, it's just endless. It's endless. And, and I don't even want to get into the children and the things that they're doing to them and how uh, out in the open it is right now uh, regarding, you know, these entities and what they do. To I've known about it. I've known about it for over 15 years. I've intimately known exactly what they do at Satanic Sacrifices. I've known how they accomplish them. I know that they, 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 in their covens, they have sex magic parties, and then they birth babies, and they do not use, they, they don't register them. They keep the babies completely unregistered so they can do whatever they want to do with them. They don't want to be caught. Uh, and I'm not going to get into all that because it sickens me, quite frankly. All right. And um, I think it sickens a lot of us. A lot of us probably are about up to here with even being knowledgeable about such evil. Okay. It took me a long time. I, I doggone near had, I don't even know what a nervous breakdown feels like. I don't know what it feels like, but maybe I had one. I, I might, maybe I had a mini nervous breakdown if there is a such thing. I don't know. But I can tell you that once I started to really learn very, very intimately, when I say intimate, I mean to the details. Okay, when I started to hear testimonies of people that were taken to these sacrificial ceremonies and they would give you vivid details of the creepy, horrible, awful things that they do, okay, then, you know, I broke down. I broke down. I literally fell to my knees. I remember it was about 1.30 in the morning, and I, I was coming out of my office, and I fell to my knees, and I was heaving in tears, heaving. I couldn't barely breathe. I was crying so hard. It was horrific. And, um, you know, and then I just, uh, little by little, I started to move away from that uh, subject matter material and uh, go and start investigating other things and weaving them all together. There's only so much of that you can take, right? Well, guess what? Now it's being thrown in front of all of our faces. Okay, even, uh, you know, Bobby Kennedy is talking, uh, you know, on Joe Rogan's show is coming out and telling everybody that he's very concerned about his own not getting shot. You know, he knows. He knows, you know, about JFK. He knows the, the details behind when it happened, why it happened, and who did it. Okay, and, and uh, he's very well aware that he's a target and that, you know, he's got a, 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 a bullet target painted on him. Okay, he gets it. Um, I, I think so does Donald Trump. I think that many of these, maybe not all, Maybe not all, but many of them that are you know, dealing with the entities that we're dealing with right now in the world, the WEF and the list just goes on and on and on. They're so overt right now. They used to be very clandestine, very, you know, Bilderberg, nobody knows, we don't want anybody to know what we're talking about kind of thing. Now they're very overt. I mean, they have live video cameras rolling. They play the videos. They put them up on the website. They come right out and tell you we're going to create 15-minute cities and, and you're going to eat bugs and you're going to love them and, you know, and we're going to take your car away and, you know, we're going to destroy your life absolutely, utterly completely crush you and then they and they say it with a smile on their face you know as if it's like and you're gonna like it and you're gonna be fine with it and um, and it's like and I think to myself you know why doesn't you know an elite group of like Navy SEALs or something paratroop in the Davos 2020 whatever it is and like you know make them all go away but that you know vengeance is God saith the Lord okay praise his holy name so we just gotta let um, the prophecies in the Holy Bible come true however God wants them to come true in the, in his perfect timing and it's hard because you know I don't know if you're aware of this or not but 16 months months has gone by. Okay, imagine that. <clears throat> the Russian special operation uh, 
started in February of last year. And if you do the math, we're talking about, six, I believe it's 16 months, okay, because February would have been 12, right? So that's February to March to April to May to June. That's four more months. Yeah, 16. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of time. And if you look at the things that are going on around the world, you look at the increased number of nations that want to join BRICS right now. Wow. They have a waiting list. I, I think the last time I looked, it was something like, excuse me, more than 30 nations, more than 30 nations are queued up right now, all putting in their paperwork and everything else to become part of the BRICS nations. Um, and it, not three or four days goes by that there isn't some sort of an, an announcement somewhere that is uh, that, that essentially should will be one more, uh, you know, loose brick in the crumbling building of the financial system of the United States of Babylon the Great that will ultimately lead to the, um, you know, to, to the fulfillment of the third seal. Okay, and, uh, you know, when is all this going to happen? Is it going to be a controlled demolition? You know what I mean? And if it is a controlled demolition, which I kind of suspect it will be, I my hunch is, and it's just my hunch, I have no idea. I have no idea. But again, I fall back on that whole concept of Donald Trump making it into the presidency because we need a catalyst. Again, we have Dimitri Dudeman's <clears throat> excuse me. We have Dimitri Dudeman from in, in his book Through the Fire Without Burning, and he was a very holy Romanian pastor that smuggled Bibles in Romania when they were very, very communist and they were trying to kill him and they beat him constantly, went through absolute hell on earth, and he because he was smuggling Bibles all over Romania. Well the Lord Lord sent some angels to him and said, no, you need to go to the United States because I, I have a mission for you. And, and, and he basically, not even, know how, not, not even having any idea how to speak English, he comes over to the United States and he gets with his uh, grandson, Michael Boldia, who we've had on the show, by the way. He is an amazing guy, an amazing man of the Lord. Praise Jesus. But anyway, he, as, as a little kid, he would travel with his uh, grandpa, you know, uh, Dimitri Dudeman, all over the United States, going from church to church to church to church to church to church to church, warning them that God took him, that, you know, God and the holy angels showed him one state after the other. This is Sodom and Gomorrah. This, Sodom, you know, this place shall burn. This place will burn. So he was, that became his mission. His mission was to go all over the United States and warn the Christian church in the United States of America that we are Babylon the Great, and we are going to burn in one hour. Okay, so that was his, that was the major part of his mission. Well, um, in his book, through, through <coughs> excuse me, in his book, Through the Fire Without Burning, he testifies that he was given a mighty vision of the Lord, and he saw civil war breaking out in the central part of the United States of America. Okay, and that's fascinating because my sister gave me a prophecy from one of the several that she follows. And interestingly, that particular individual um, saw the United States covered with a very large X, an X, and the X was made of gunpowder. And in the vision, he saw the central part of the X, the intersection of the two lines, catch on fire. So that is 
prophetically indicative of the civil war in the United States breaking out in the middle of the country somewhere. Okay, don't even get me going on all the David Wilkerson stuff, which, by the way, links over very interestingly and uh, well with uh, the Randy Hecker vision of Papacata Petal and all the uh, events that Randy Hecker saw happening after that. David David Wilkerson in his vision, which is in uh, – it's called The Vision. That's the name of the original book from 1973. Uh, He saw – now, granted, it's tricky because you have to kind of like – you know, everybody sees things in different ways, and it's a little bit disconnected, and you've got to work to connect it a little bit. But Wilkerson saw uh, the collapse of the United States dollar, uh, the collapse of the United States economy being linked to the collapse of the Mexican economy, which, by the way, is what Randy Hecker saw. And it's pop a pedal, pop a pedal, pop, 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 pedal. Thank you, Jesus. And he saw that in his vision. So when you start to see all of these things linked together, Ceremony from 1979, then you've got Dimitri Dudeman and his book Through the Fire Without Burning. Then you've got David Wilkerson, who's linking what he saw, the collapse of the economy of, of Mexico to the collapse of the economy of the United States. And, and all these things just coming together with harmony. And, and, and there's just little bits and pieces of them that tie them all together into a tapestry of end times uh, events. And it, it, it it becomes very exciting, but also it does remind us there's a lot of stuff queued up. There's a lot of stuff queued up. I wish the only thing we had to worry about or the only thing we needed to be concerned about was the beginning of the, the you know, the official beginning of World War Three. But it kind of doesn't seem like that. What about the Cascadia subduction zone? What about the multiple massive earthquakes that uh, uh, Dr. David O'Rourke saw in visions? I, there were at least two. In California, um, it, 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 so much. What about the F-35 sorties that they've been flying in as test flights to see if they could get past the Russian and Iranian uh, air defenses to go in and directly bomb the Fordow uh, centrifuge facility in Iran? They've flown, I think, I know more than one, and they were successfully able to get the F-35s in and out without being without setting off any air defense alarms, which is amazing. And that links back to a 2011-ish uh, prophecy that David O'Rourke, uh, Dr., you know, Dr. O'Rourke uh, gave when he was in Austria, where he said, let me tell you something about the Lord has shown me, you know, let me tell you about the war in Iran. And he talks about two, you know, basically uh, tactical nukes being shot into the base of the Fort Out. Now, he doesn't mention Fort Out. But he does mention in the base of a mountain, and we all, you know, you just put it together, and we all know what it is. So anyway, praise God. But they're all queued up. All these events are queued up, and we don't know, you know. So my, my, I just kind of guess, my guesstimation, and it's just a flappy old wild guess. I don't know. I don't have anything to base it on because God does not give us the details. And, you know, he, he, he does prophesy, you know, just like he says, the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it through his servants and prophets in Amos 3, 7. But... The thing is, he doesn't say he's going to prophesy and every single Christian in the world is going to hear it. He doesn't say that. 
So it's up to us to do the digging. It's the glory of God to conceal it, the matter, and the glory of kings to search out a matter, matter Proverbs 25, verse 2, praise God. All right, and so anyway, so that's kind of like who we are. You know, we're, we're, we're out there gathering up all these prophecies, dreams, and visions, and trying to weave a tapestry that makes sense and aligns with the Holy Bible so that we can, you know, not just be watching for Jesus in a kind of a nebulous, half-hearted sort of a way, but really dig in, okay, and have a, a pretty good idea. Now, unfortunately, there is a penalty. The penalty that comes with that is what happened to us back in 2016. Now, when you listen to the testimony of the man who is uh, is whistleblowing now against the Club of Rome, and he was some kind of senior person on the Club of Rome, which is one of the Bilderberg, you know, the very evil, uh, world-dominant elites, you know, that kind of thing. And he said that when uh, Donald Trump got elected in 2016, it completely blew their whole program right out of the water. So... Um, that is a shocking revelation to have somebody that's a member of the Club of Rome explain to us that the Club of Rome and all the entities of evil, the elites that were involved in the things that were happening when Obama was in the presidency, their plan, their master plan was exactly what we believed. Their master plan was exactly what so many people were prophesying. Okay, their master plan was that they, that Obama was going to be the last president and that the whole world was going to blow up and you know break out into massive civil war and they were going to institute martial law all over the place and clamp down the control grid and all that kind of stuff. And then when Donald Trump came in there, it completely blew up their plan. It dorked them over really bad. Okay, and this is a guy from the Club of Rome. It doesn't get any better than that. So when we found that out, but, but remember, in the meantime... The people listening to this program, we're watching like a hawk. We're listening to, to God's prophet. And, you know, we had Glenda Jackson on the show, um, I think even more than once. I can't even remember. Um, but anyway, and she was told by the Lord, she went on Sid Roth, and she says, I'm not hearing from Mickey Mouse, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we were very pumped and very excited but about, you know, the prophecy that she was given. Because you, when you weave that together with the dozens and dozens of other prophetic words that were coming from God's people over YouTube and various other uh, media outlets, um, uh, you know, and you put it all together, it was it was undeniable. It was unbelievable. I had a humongous whiteboard to my right. It's still there. And I had bullet points, two rows of bullet points going down with one prophecy after another 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 prophecy. After another prophecy. We must have had 40 of them easily. Okay, and sometimes I would just sit there and read one right after the other. I give it, you know, they had a title or whatever. I like, bam, 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 because and then um, we even sent out cards, you know, little uh, business cards that that had like warnings on them. You know, this is what's going to happen. Uh, you know, we're, we're we're warning you, we're letting you know because you know Jesus is coming. You know, and and people were handing out cards to people. I handed out cards that had, you know, that that uh, Obama's going to stay in the presidency. Martial law is going to be instituted. It had all this stuff on the cards. On the, it was a white card with Jesus and red letters, and, and we sent them out to a whole bunch of people that wanted to, to proselytize with them. You know what I mean? To hand them out to people and warn them, because we had so much prophetic information, it was undeniable. Okay, and turns out the Club of Rome thought it was undeniable too. But our heavenly Father had a different decision. Okay, he made he relented. He decided on you know our Father evidently decided to do what I call a uh, priest of ball moment where, uh, you know, uh, 
he injected Donald Trump in there. Now, am I saying Donald Trump's a great Christian? Am I saying that he's not full of pride? Um, but I definitely am not saying that I, you know, I am not on that, you know, praise Donald Trump. Donald Trump is appointed by Jesus. Donald Trump is, you know, this, that, or the other thing, you know, all that kind of stuff that a lot of the, you know, evangelical Christians think are true. I don't believe that. I don't jump on that bandwagon at all. I have no idea. Look, God appointed Nebuchadnezzar. Let me say that again. God appointed Nebuchadnezzar to be the, uh, you know, the iron yoke around the neck of his own people. So, again, we can't, you know, we're citizens of heaven. Praise God for that. Philippians 3.20. Thank you, Jesus. We, our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, we need to keep our minds stayed on things above and not on things of this world. It is very difficult to be able to, to absorb, and that's unfortunately what it turns out to be, absorb all the evil things that we know that are queued up against us. It's very, very hard to know that all these, you know, Evil, all this evil is queued up against us. We know, look, we're not dealing with any, this is not small potato stuff here. This is not, you know, a couple of witch covens or, you know, the Brotherhood of Satan coming up with some master plan through the Club of Rome or through some other, you know, the Rhodes Roundtable or whatever Committee of 300 group is out there, whatnot, or the Bilderbergs, you know, coming up with some master evil plan to do X, Y, and LMNOP or whatever. It's not like that. Right now, we're in a period of time that is more evil, more sinister, more sick, more twisted, more... You know, I don't even want to – let's just – just as bad as bad can be. It's just as bad as bad can be. All right? And why would that be? Because the very Antichrist himself is making the decisions. Imagine that. We are literally alive on earth when the Antichrist, the real – I'm not talking about – look, I know the Bible says there will be many Antichrists. I'm telling you, I'm sticking with what my my mother – I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to give that testimony again, but I'm here to tell you. Obama is the Antichrist. He is the Mac Daddy of all Antichrists. He is the beast from Revelation. He's the one. He's not an Antichrist. He is the one. The one. And that is what is causing all of these things to happen. That is what is pushing the rainbow stuff down our throats until we choke and puke on it. That is what we're dealing against. We're dealing against the greatest evil the world has ever seen and will ever see. And wait until Satan incarnates into his body. Oh boy, will it be bad. But anyway, we need to hold on to the, the glory of Jesus. We need to hold on to that relationship. We need to be encouraged by the fact that we are really close and we need to stay as close to Jesus as we possibly can, develop that intimacy in the relationship, sing songs to him in the morning, get up extra early, stay up extra late, pray, 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 and remember what Charles Spurgeon said, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal, praise Jesus, and that is the power that was given us through the name uh, that is above all other names, and we got to thank our Heavenly Father for that precious, precious virtue, that privilege that we've been given, and to take every advantage that we possibly can to use that power to do good things for other people, to pray against the forces of darkness, and to pray that our Heavenly Father will have mercy and save the souls of the people that have not been awoken yet. Praise His holy name. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, on that note, let's go ahead and go into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? 
not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. Praise God. Kids, are you ready for some jokes? All right. All right, kids. Where can you find articles on owl research? In who's who? Kids, who's who? Come on. Come on, kids. What? You You don't know who's who? You didn't like that one very much. All right. Hold on. All right, praise God. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's try another one here. Kids, why was the road nervous? Why was the road nervous? It was about to get graded. Graded? Kids? Kids, I'm going to give you the email of the very nice lady who sent these in, and you can go get her. (laughs) Kids, why wouldn't the dinosaur wear deodorant? So they wouldn't be extinct. <laughs> right, kids? So they wouldn't be extinct. Oh, okay. At least, we, oh, at least we ended with some kind of positivity. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. So let me see here. I, I don't know if I want to play that one. I think I'm going to save that for the future because we're getting really close and I want to get uh, Terry on here as quick as possible. So let me go ahead and zoom in. So I'm going to hold that one over. Um, hold on a second. Let me go ahead and mark it with yellow so I know better. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, what I want to share with you is a hacker. Now, I don't know. I'm pretty certain that you've probably heard of this by now. If you haven't, okay, and then you're hearing it for the first time right now. So there's been an awful lot of hacker talk out there. Been an awful lot of hacker talk out there. Okay, um, one of the hacker talk issues is that supposedly there is this group they call themselves supposedly revel why do i say supposedly so much uh, you know and supposedly part again supposedly 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 part of the anonymous group of hackers the problem is that nobody you can't validate the information and it could really be coming from the cia it could be coming from langley okay a lot of these hacking events are actually false flag events and they're not actually done by any particular hacker group okay but people laugh on to that, you know, that, oh, oh, isn't this just, oh, they're the evil hackers that Klaus Schwab was warning us about, and whatever, you know, and I, I don't fall prey for that. I, you know, I just know that eventually the forces of darkness, what, however they're made up, and whoever's a part of the forces of darkness at that time, are going to do bad things, like take down the power grid, et cetera, et cetera. Banking systems, you name it, okay. All right, so anyway, so I did want to bring that up. Um, for those of you who may or may not, you know, may, maybe you heard a little bit about it, maybe you heard a lot about it, uh, but there's an awful lot of chatter out on the internet right now, uh, whereby this group that is calling themselves uh, um, Anonymous Sudan and Revel are supposedly teaming up and they're going to take down the European banking system within the next 48 hours. Well, that was announced on June 15th. Okay. At one, you know, give or take, probably, you know, this, let's put it this way. This particular 
event was posted on Twitter by a man by the name of Fernando Armandi Sr. I'm not, you know, I don't know the guy from Adam. Uh, at 1.29 p.m. on June the 15th of 2023. Well, I'm looking at my calendar, and it said within 48 hours. So that would be June the 15th, June the 16th, June the 17th, June the – you see what I'm saying? That's why I don't get a B in my bonnet over any of these things. And what are you going to do anyway? Were you gonna are you gonna go buy like uh, five thousand dollars worth of copper and just drape it over your house and run ground in there so you can stop EMPs and stuff? What are you gonna do? If they if you know if they did this type of an attack, what's anybody gonna do? You're gonna suffer. You, you might be able to get your your gas generator started, and if you're running off of solar panels, good luck for the thirty minutes you're gonna have any power. So anyway, I don't I don't worry about it. Thank you, Jesus. I was you know I've been here for such a long time here in Tampa, and I'm so accustomed to the power going out for a long period of time because of the hurricanes, uh, and it it's awful, it's awful. So if you haven't have, if you have not have had that happen to you where you live, buckle up because I can tell you one thing: you can prepare until you, your eyes pop out. You can prepare until you think you're the biggest baddest prepper in the whole wide world, and you want to write a book on prepping. But I will tell you one thing, you will never have everything that you need. Never. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Now, um, let me hear. Prepping for the pandemic worldwide drill underway. ABC investigators prepping cyber. Okay, so let's go ahead and listen to this particular headline, and I'm clicking on it now. All right. Let's see if I can get it to come up. Oh, oh, hold on. Okay, I had to flip the switch here. Here. Oh, come on. Worldwide drill got underway today with the goal of better preparing for the new world of major cyber attacks. Hackers these days are getting bolder and could target the systems that we rely on every single day. Senior investigator Kendra Nichols reports tonight. Cyber Polygon is an annual event hosted by the World Economic Forum. Nice. It's a worldwide training exercise on how to deal with cyber attacks. It is inevitable that some larger attack is going to occur one day. Security experts like John Sansonito are watching what happens. What's being talked about uh, today and over the next couple of days is a potential real-world situation which we could be facing at another six months and another year or even tomorrow. This year, 200 teams from 48 countries registered for the training. Companies like IBM, Santander, and Ernst & Young are on the list. The focus of the live drill this year, a targeted supply chain attack on a corporation. Something that, if it happened in real life, would affect all of us by shutting down things like water treatment facilities, the power grid, or even the internet itself. What would you do if you couldn't access your bank accounts, if you couldn't access the internet, if your cell phone suddenly stopped working? These are the kind of things that people really do need to think through because one day they may be facing a crisis like that. The bad guys are never stopping. Centric Bank, like all banks, is constantly fighting potential cyber attacks. Over the course of a quarter, uh, it's in excess of a million. And they can pinpoint where the attempted attacks are coming from. Russia is, is number one. Uh, followed by the Netherlands, and then, uh, you know, it can, goes down the scale. But by far, uh, Russia surpasses all the others combined. But there's a silent war going on, and it, it's truly what it is, you know, to, you know, you know keep the, the bad guys, you know, at bay and keep... All right, praise God. So, you know, you heard in the very beginning of that um, uh, news 
article or discussion or whatever you want to call it, a piece, uh, that they're partnering with the World Economic Forum. I mean, if that doesn't just completely crash. Anyway, so uh, nice, nice. Here's another one. Let's bring this up real quick. This is from CBS News. Coming to you any second now. Here we go. Evening, Nora. A senior U.S. government official told reporters there is no evidence to date the U.S. military and intelligence agencies have been compromised, but a number of federal agencies have been hit. Tonight, senior government officials are racing to limit the impact of what one cyber expert is calling potentially the largest theft and extortion event in recent history. American targets include multiple federal agencies, including the Department of Energy, plus Johns Hopkins affiliated hospitals in Maryland and Florida, Georgia's statewide university system, and the Minnesota Department of Education. British Airways was also hit. Officials say the hackers are part of a cyber criminal gang called Klopp, believed to operate from inside Russia. They've started releasing some of the data that was stolen as part of their work to extort these companies. We strongly encourage anyone who is a user of this software to, of course, patch, lock down their systems. The cyber criminals are exploiting a software program called MoveIt, which companies and government agencies use to transfer data, including personal information. The group steals the data, and in this message believed to be from the hackers, warns that if a ransom is not paid, after seven days, all your data will start to be published, sometimes on the dark web. Cyber expert Brent Callow says foreign adversaries and criminals will be looking to leverage the data. Overseas governments will no doubt be very interested in obtaining the information that clock obtained through these attacks. The FBI and the government's cybersecurity agency last week warned companies to be on alert for this kind of attack. Former intelligence officials told CBS News the threat has been circulating for weeks, and they accused the U.S. government of being slow to act, Nora. Good evening, Nora. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway. Um, and so it goes. So it goes. Um, do you know, I had some, somebody emailed me. Somebody emailed me. They're like, Johnny, they're going to need you. They're going to need you. It's going down. And I'm like, I just sent him a picture of Homer Simpson in a uh, <laughs> flipping sort of a pose. Let's put it that way. Um, the last thing I'm going to do is uh, do what I do for a living for Klaus Schwab. <laughs> okay? It's as simple as that. All right. Praise God. I, I will happily become, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'll move to Alberta and find some farm or something and work for, you know, food. <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure it out. Thank you, Jesus. God will lead me just like he'll lead you. We're all in his protection. Praise Jesus. All right, next one up. Praise you, Lord. Several dead in Brazilian cyclone. Rescue efforts have been hampered by widespread flooding and the threat of landslides, officials are now saying. And again, um, the situation, this is all over the world, folks, by the way, just so you know, you know, the displacement of over 18,000 people. Okay, this is the kind of stuff that happens this time of the year all over the world, okay? Uh, look, all I can tell you is that the heat down here in Tampa is very telling. I, I do not recall a summer that has had heat waves at the intensity level as we are seeing down here in Tampa right now. They are not tolerable. You cannot get anything done outside. It is just it, you can't barely breathe. That's how hot it is. All right, now, uh, it, it, does this mean it's going to be a trend? Does this mean we're going to have untold? 
untold number of giga fires all over the country or uh, feast, you know, famine's going to take place. And they're already talking about 50% loss in wheat crops. And, you know, in, in, do we know? We don't know. We don't know. We just have to ride it out. Praise God. All I can say is I'm going to hold up to you as an example that all that fuss and all that talking about, you know, watch the, watch while I'm saying this. The whole internet will go down. All my lights in the house will go off. <laughs> okay, they were uh, 48 hours late. <laughs> but, but they did say sometime before the 15th that within 48 hours they were going to take down the European banking system. What's happened? Nothing. Just like with all the people that are out there yelping and screaming and going, oh, my gosh, there's tanks rolling down, uh, you know, uh, Patuxatawney, Pennsylvania. This is terrible. There's all kinds of war games and, and bombs and things going off all over the United States on American property. Oh, this is it. And then I just say, hey, folks, remember? <laughs> we have to remember the things that happened to us in the last 12 years. We have to remember Jade Helm. We got to remember all the times that everybody was, you know, remember this also. The other thing that we have to take note of is that now it's 2023. How many more people are awake? Let's just take the United States, which has arguably 350 million people in it. Okay, we'll just leave it there. All right. Of those 350 million people that are in the United States of America, how many more are awake and aware to the things that are happening across the world? World War Three, threats of hacks, uh, CBDCs, uh, you know, the Fed now, uh, you know, digital currencies, uh, the, uh, the Walmarts, the various Walmart stores and various other stores like Aldi and stuff that are setting up uh, facial recognition scanners and locking away their food. How many people are aware of these things now that were not aware of them back when Jade Helm happened. That was 2012. So right now, I would estimate, I have no idea, I have no idea, but I would have to guesstimate, I, it's a total wild guess, that it's probably 10 or 15, maybe 20 times more people are awake now, worldwide, than were awake back then. Okay, the post pandemic has awakened gazillions of people on a global level. Okay, and that means that we're going to get attack waves. We're going to have gazillions of more people going on Twitter, going on Facebook, going on whatever they, you know, whatever Instagram, you name it, whatever social media platform they prefer, their websites, you, you know, take a pick. They are going to be out there going, look, there's millions tanks and Tuxatani. This is, oh my gosh, it's World War III. Oh, run for your lives, holy cow. Hackers, hackers. Oh no. And we've been through it all like how many times? Thank you, Jesus. I mean, you know, I praise God. I, none of this stuff gets a bee in my bonnet anymore. I'm like, whatever. I'm waiting for something big to happen. Now, you know, I want, you know, I don't pray against God's judgments. My Bible instructs me otherwise. God's judgments are holy and righteous, and more people will be saved in God's judgments that are forthcoming than ever before in the history of the world. The rising up of the bride of Jesus Christ and the rising up of, of new Christians is going to be beyond the revivals that will break out. The things that will happen as the darkness rises are going to be so exciting, so mind-blowing, and so Jesus-filled that I don't think any of us can quite get our arms around it. All right, praise God. And, and, and I think that's a wonderful thing. I think everyone that loves Jesus and, and, looks, and loves your fellow neighbors feels the same way. Thank you, Lord. All right, now I'm going to go ahead and mark this one for rolling. 
stumbling forward. It's no surprise. It's just another congressman making a point about the uh, lies of January 6th, like we don't know about that stuff. Uh, let's see here. Another uh, shock movement. FBI official admits the document alleging Biden took $5 million in bribes. Uh, you know, again, there's still all kinds of um, uh, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth going on in the uh, House of Representatives as they go and do their queries and uh, you know, and and it's it's interesting to listen to. But there, have you noticed? There's been zero forward progress. I know it's very painful to recognize that fact, but go back, go back to when they started doing the January sixth inquiries, post Tucker Carlson. Go back to Dr. Fauci. Go back to all of the queries, all the inquisitions that came from the House of Representatives under the new Republican leading, you know, that go back, rewind, rewind. What do you know? What you know is that nothing has happened, not a thing. Nobody has happened. Articles of impeachment. We're going to subpoena this person. We're going to put this person in jail. We're going to put that person in jail. What has happened? I'll tell you what has happened, exactly what Glenn Beck said. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. New shiny bull market could be a mirage and Wall Street should brace for a big collapse after recent rally warns Bank of America America analyst. And they go into all the details and the ups and the downs and, and this indicator and that indicator and Reuters says this and blah, 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 blah. But we watch. We watch. I am no longer worried about any of this stuff. I expect it, you know, I hope that I hope that we get rescued out of here before it gets really bad. I really do. I hope hope beyond hope beyond hope beyond hope. But you know what? Maybe not. We don't know. We just need to stay close to Jesus, and we need to trust our Heavenly Father because he has promised us. Look, Isaiah uh, 26, verse 3, you, uh, you, our Heavenly Father, will keep us in perfect peace, those of us whose minds are stayed upon him, because we trust him. When we truly trust our Heavenly Father, we don't have anything to worry about. God's going to take care of us. Of course he is. He, he Look, I, I won't go into all of the scriptures that say, for my own sake, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. That is said by our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father said that. Isaiah 43, 25. Uh, All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I embrace that. I love that. Uh, and that's where we all need to be, at the ready and trusting God. Hallelujah. Another headline reads, Police robots to expand Singaporean cops' technological arsenal. So they're, it's all over the world, folks. Police robots, all this creepy, weird stuff. All this, all this stuff that you saw in the Predator movies, okay? <laughs> it's coming true. Next one up. Breitbart uh, headline. Democrat-led bill proposing use, uh, using federal funds to train more <clears throat> abortionists. Next one up. Breitbart reports Montana Attorney General sounds the alarm. Armed IRS agents are rounding up gun purchase records. Dun, dun, dun. But you know what? If you're exactly like Jesus and you do what the Bible says and you carry your cross, if you want to be perfect, sell everything you got, give it to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. Well, you don't have nothing to worry about. 
That's someone else's problem there. Our challenge is to be exactly like Jesus. Our challenge is to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as a weapon against the forces of darkness and to recognize that our fellow brothers and sisters are under the control of the demonic realm and to rebuke those devils and cast them out. Hallelujah. Next one up. Juneteenth, Juneteenth holiday horror. Four people are shot dead and at least 42 others injured so far this weekend as the gun violence erupts against the nation uh, from Illinois to Missouri over Juneteenth. All right, next one up. Eight earthquakes in four weeks uh, proves old fault exists near uh, North Carolina mountain town, according to the United States Geological Service. Wow. All right, praise God. Next one up. Orcas. Orcas have sunk three boats in Europe and appear to be teaching others to do the same thing. The question is, why, say the scientists? So evidently these orcas, orcas that are kind of like, you know, hanging out in a little pack and dumping over yachts and various other boats, um, they think it's fun and they're doing more. And nobody understands why. So it's very reminiscent to uh, In the Beasts of the Earth, which is at the tail end of the fourth seal. Behold a pale horse. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Pfizer to run out of penicillin uh, solutions in the next few months. You know, of all the things that Pfizer might run out of, you know, they're not going to run out of graphene oxide. They're not going to run out of things that are going to slaughter us and murder us and turn us into babbling. You know, thank you, Jesus, for your power. We have the power of Jesus. They can stick that garbage in anything they want to. And if we pray over our food, God will purify it. We have to understand the na- power in the name of Jesus. We need to be praying over our food, praying over our water, thanking our Father for every drink of water. We need to understand the power that is in us. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what a ugh. dozens die as northern India swelters under the heat wave that they're going through. And uh, hmm, looking, 34 people are dead. Doesn't give me a temperature here. <laughs> That's all right. Probably further down the article, but we know what they go through every single year, and it's absolutely horrible over there. Uh, Pakistan and India just get slammed with unbelievable heat. Next one up. United States debt hits a historic all-time high at $32 trillion. All right. Um, but, you know, when it's fake money, I guess they can just keep going as long as they want. Next one up. Saudi foreign minister pays first official visit to Iran in seven years. So now the Saudis are buddying up with Iran and Iran is like, you know, these are the Sunnis and the, uh, you know, these two Arab factions, they don't like each other. They hate each other's guts. And by the way, I'm I'm not going to get into it, but I want to get Sister Terry on here real quick. But, you know, that that, that Rabbi Rami Levy and the 15-year-old Jewish boy named Nathan, when he went up to meet with Jesus, he was told that Obama was Gog. And he was also told, well, he also met Jesus, but he wouldn't tell them who Jesus was because he knew that it would upset them and they'd get very angry. So he kept quiet about that. But one of the things that he said was that the Arab nations would start to fight each other first, and then they would turn their weaponry directly toward Israel. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Another headline, death toll from terrorist attack on Ugandan school rises to 41. There's a lot of Christian groups and, and a lot, oh my goodness, there's stuff that's going on in different parts of the world, especially in Africa, and the number of Christian uh, churches and groups that are getting slaughtered, uh, it is absolutely out of control. And, um, well, 
You know, we need to stay in prayer. Praise God for every, every single person and everyone and every one of the countries, and especially in and in, in, in for our, ours as well. Praise Jesus. Next one up. Russia strikes Ukrainian decision-making center, according to their Ministry of Defense. Another headline, as floodwaters recede, recede, Ukrainian authorities brace for possible disease outbreaks, which, by the way, would be pretty normal under those circumstances, unfortunately. Next one up. Uh, Daily Star reports, United States deploys a nuclear submarine with guided missiles after North Korean missile tests. So, uh, you know, the fuss is that there's a, you know, know, that we're sending a nuclear submarine uh, up toward North Korea. But let's be perfectly clear. It's the propulsion system. This is not an Ohio class carrying Poseidon missiles and nuclear missiles that they can launch, you know, inter, you know submarine-launched uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles. That is not what this is. It just has a bunch of tomahawks on it. Now, but is that threatening to Kim Jong-un and his you know, helter-skelter sister? Yes. And could it lead to something? Absolutely. Praise God. Next one up. Rimful clinics, uh, cemeteries uh, at rage as, den- as, as dengue fever hits Peru. So they're getting absolutely slammed with dengue fever. And it says that uh, in P- Puria uh, regions, they have 416 clinics, clinics that were damaged by a cyclone, which actually paralyzes their economy and makes it extremely difficult for them to deal with the onslaught of this particular disease. Another one up. Texas grid braces for record power uh, outages, et cetera, et cetera, and, and impact uh, as the demand for temperature, you know, because of the, the heat waves. They're, they're at 120 degrees Fahrenheit there right now, folks. Okay, we're, you know, here in Tampa, we're getting, you know, uh, feels like temperatures of like 103. And with the, uh, with the uh, humidity level, it's enough to knock you over. I mean, it is unbelievable. And if they're getting hit with literal temperatures of 120, and, man, can you imagine Holy moly, goodness gracious, unbelievable stuff. Another headline, praise Jesus. Israel 365 News reports Russia to open an embassy branch in Jerusalem. Fascinating. Another one is proposed bill to give Russian central bank assets to the Ukraine. So all the assets that they are confiscating all over Europe that belong to Russia, they're giving them to the Ukraine. (laughs) Okay, another headline from Fox News. Obama suggests that digital fingerprints, that we should all have digital fingerprints to counter misinformation so we know what is true and what is not true. Thank you, beast, son of perdition, evil one. All right, next one up. Gas price in Netherlands nearly doubles in two weeks, according to reports. Another headline, Mexico grapples with the third heat wave of the season. Six fatalities reported. Another one, southern, uh, southern states battered by severe storms, large hail, high winds, and tornadoes in the United States of Babylon the Great. Another one, Asian central bank to adopt Iran's swift alternative as de-dollarization accelerates. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's bring on Sister Terry Hill. Glory to God. Here we go. Praise God, Sister Terry. Are you there? Yes, John, I'm here. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, you sound great. I'll just go ahead and turn the mic right over to you. Thank you for joining us tonight. God bless you. Well, thank you for having me. 
Well, again, beloved, we're just so happy to be with you tonight. So happy to be with you. And thank you again, John, uh, for having me on. And again, every time I come on, I, I realize, you know what, the day may come that we will not be able to do these shows anymore. And the Lord knows what his people need. Uh, he is absolutely aware of every detail that each of us are facing. And we're so grateful to King Jesus, who is coming again. So, Father, with this now, we commit this time into your hands. I thank you, Father, for putting your word in my mouth. You know what your people need. Uh, You know the call that you've placed within them. I thank you for the mantle that you've placed upon each one. I give you praise and glory and thank you for the grace that is sufficient for each of us tonight, Father. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. For those of you who would like a prayer uh, request, I would be happy to answer those prayer requests. Please send those to a word in due season, 777 at gmail.com. And you can visit the website at a word in due season.com. And so I'm thinking every time I come on, it seems that so many events have transpired, it's hard to keep up with everything. But there's one thing that I do know is that Jesus put these things in his book for us. He told us these things in advance. So when these things begin to happen, uh, he said, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. And so I'd like to start, first of all, uh, by saying there's a couple of things that we need to be aware of, and you probably are, but I believe it bears repeating. Something we need to do every day Number one, put on the whole armor of God. That's Ephesians 6, uh, 10 to 18, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And secondly, he tells us to study to show ourselves approved. So I want to start by reading. Uh, This is what I was directed to bring to you first in 2 Timothy uh, 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. So that tells us right there that we can be approved by God if we handle accurately the word of truth. And then uh, a little bit further in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. And then 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 4, this is was Paul's charge to his uh, protege, Timothy, but it's a charge for every single one of us, male or female, uh, regardless of how old we are, how long we have been with the Lord. This is what he says in 2 Timothy 4, 1. He said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. 
Beloved, when Jesus wrote and recorded for us, obviously his word was inspired and men recorded those words. Matthew chapter 24 is outstanding in many ways and so many of us are meditating on that portion of scripture and we've heard so many comment on it. But the thing that continues to stand out to me is when Jesus uh, was answering his disciples, uh, when they asked him in uh, chapter 24, uh, he said, you see all these things. I'm telling you, he was talking about the temple and the stones, etc. He was sitting on the Mount of Olives and his disciples asked him and came to him privately. And this is what we do. We can come to the Lord privately, beloved, and he will explain these things to us. They said, tell us when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the world, and that means the end of the age. He mentioned many things, but I think it's important that we remember that he, he mentioned the word deceive or deception four times. Uh, he said in verse 4, Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many are going to come in my name, saying I'm Christ and will deceive many. In other words, he said there will be many who will come to claim and be speaking for me, but many will deceive you. So in verse 4, he says it. In verse 5, he says it. Verse 11, many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And then again, in verse 24, there will arise false Christ, false prophets, and will show great signs and wonders, inasmuch that if it were possible, they should deceive even the very elect. So this is what I was impressed to begin with tonight. Uh, we all know that we are in the middle of a spiritual war. Okay, we all know that. And part of that war is the enemy's desire to keep us from hearing God's truth. So what he has to do is he has to present truth along with error, hoping to snag God's people because they're hearing part of what God's word says, but also there are other things being interjected into messages and teachings that obviously are not from the Lord. So because we are in the middle of a spiritual war, we all know that uh, there's a cyber war that's taking place, a tactical war. Uh, you could say that it could be a proxy war. In places, it's a hot war. There's an information war and certainly misinformation and disinformation coming from the narrative um, that uh, corporate media is pushing uh, on the public. There's a war against Christianity. We all know this. And against Judeo-Christian ethics. There's a war against our children. Uh, beginning uh, in the womb all the way now as they are in school to the agenda being pushed uh, by the rainbow group and that voice, that indeed is a voice, and then trying to get them to enter into this trans agenda. There's a war against traditional marriage. So there are many voices all around us that are clamoring for our attention. There are distractions. There is deception, as Jesus mentioned. And so as he was sharing with his disciples what to look for, I think it's important that we pay attention that when we hear a message, when someone says, I've had a dream, I've had a vision, I have a message, I have a prophetic word, friends, we need to take these things to the Lord. We really do. Because as I've been preparing now, and I do prepare, and I pray for all of you, uh, 
the title of this message being The Tests and Lessons for the Faithful Church, Discerning the Voices, Part 3. This is something the Lord has um, impressed upon me I need to continue to talk about because I am convinced that those of us that are pressing toward that mark, and I believe that I'm speaking to a, a broad group of people who are, you are hungry for the things of the Lord. You are grateful for the milk, but you're asking God for the meat. You're asking him, God, please speak to me. Help me to know by your spirit what is of you and what is of not. Friends, we have to balance everything and measure everything by the word of God. So um, having shared that, I want to talk to you just a minute about putting on the whole armor of God. And I know that uh, I'm speaking to seasoned warriors. I'm speaking to intercessors. But I think it's worth commenting on because from the minute we're up in the morning, we're at war. And even while we're asleep, I know the Spirit of the Lord protects us because we are in a, in a rested place. But I believe that we can ask the Lord to cover us, and I believe we should ask him to cover us even as we sleep. And we talk about um, Ephesians chapter 6, certainly uh, one of the things I think is important to understand is, is we enter into spiritual warfare, and we already are in the middle of a spiritual battle. But as we understand and read and meditate in God's word, especially in Ephesians 6, uh, effective spiritual warfare is God-centered, not devil-centered. We need to understand that we are uh, standing fully uh, clothed with the armor of God, uh, from the perspective that Jesus has already won. It's not God versus the devil. You see, God is not at war, okay? Now, his angels are sent to do warfare on our behalf, but we must understand the victory was won at the cross when Jesus laid his life down for us. And so as we talk about this, just for a few minutes here, because I, I want to talk about the... the um, spiritual warfare in this battle that we're in. Uh, we know the power of God's spoken word, and we know that light will displace the darkness. That's just the way it is. Those of us who have been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ are, in fact, inhabitants and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That is the kingdom where the king sits and he reigns, all right? So we know it's the extension of God's kingdom and the rule in, in, the, in the universe and in the earth. But we also know right now the God of this world uh, knows that his time is short. And we know that the enemy is sending flaming arrows. But if we know to begin with, when we even begin to pray, uh, we need to know that Jesus has already won, that we are already, now I know it's an enigma, it's a mystery to me, we are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when you get up in the morning, when you're facing something that seems insurmountable or impossible, know that Jesus has said, you're already seated with me in heavenly places, far above all principalities, rulers of wickedness, and the darkness of this age, we know, I'm not, we have to say, I'm not giving up ground. And when I talk about giving up ground, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices because the enemy wants to keep us distracted, ignorant. He wants us to be discouraged. And he would want us to get our focus off of the word of God primarily. And he's doing a pretty good job with a lot of folks I talk to. I it's sometimes difficult to have a discussion with people because they're so enamored 
with what is going on in Babylon. Now, here's the thing. We have to be aware. But we need to understand when the enemy comes, because we're trying to, we're talking about lessons and tests for the faithful church. When the enemy comes, his weapons come in the form of questions. Did God really say that? He will put these questions in our minds, and we have to make the choice. What are we going to do with those thoughts when they come? He comes with lies. He comes to cause us to doubt God's word. And his strategy, okay, is to incite fear. Now, I know you might say, well, Sister Terry, I already know this. But here's the thing. Because we are hearing so many different voices and because of the escalation of the war, it seems to be escalating to me all around us. The intensity seems to be escalating. I don't know how the rest of you feel, but it seems that way to me. His strategy to incite fear and to plant unbelief in you and me saying, you're never going to make it. You've blown it. God can't use you. Uh, you're an exception. You, you just cannot measure up. Or, you know, there are so many lies that the enemy throws at the people of God. So we're going to be talking about, again, voices that are coming in. And again, uh, looking at spiritual warfare and the full armor of God as well, because what I'm seeing and recognizing, uh, and the Lord had me put it down on a paper, and you can get those show notes if you want. You can email me or you can get them from John's um, website, is the voice and the influence of religious Babylon. Because, beloved, we all know uh, that Babylon, uh, and I've talked about this before, has different aspects and elements. And it's uh, religious, it's economic, and it's also political. So I want to try to focus on how the enemy is trying to come after the people of God and how he disguises himself and clothes himself and uh, appears to be an angel of light, but many times is not. All right. Let's talk about, John basically talked about hiding and dwelling in that secret place. So to be hidden in Christ, think about that for a minute. We choose to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, there's a shadow of Egypt the Bible talks about, and there are people who have wandered away from that narrow path, and they're dwelling in the shadow of Egypt. In other words, uh, they look to Egypt or to the world for their protection. They look to natural things for their protection and for their provision. But if we are abiding in the secret place, we have absolute protection there in that place. In fact, to be hidden in Christ is like wearing spiritual camouflage, okay? And when a person is abiding in that place, that spiritual camouflage, it looks like two things. Number one, it looks like humility, which is the opposite of pride. And it looks like love, which is the opposite of hate. So the enemy is filled with both, and his agents are filled with both pride and hatred. They don't know how to love, all right? So if we choose to walk in love, especially toward those who disagree with us, who misunderstand us, who mock us, who curse us, who write us off, the enemy does not know what to do with someone who walks in love, who knows how to close their, close their mouth, okay? When we get that... Um, desire to try to speak up for ourselves in our own behalf, or our own defense, learning how to walk in love, and then just close our mouths. So if God said we're more than conquerors, and he gave us that spiritual armor, 
And he said, you are now in the kingdom of light. This is my dominion. It, my kingdom is a reality. And King Jesus resides over that territory and your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost and your will and desire to walk with him in obedience and in faith, overcoming temptation. You know what? You can't but not win, beloved. If we understand that Jesus has already won, that he has given us everything that we need to plot our way through the muck and the mire of Babylon, we need to continually be in the word of God because he said we are triumphant. Those are his words. They're not mine. He said we are more than overcomers through Christ who loved us. And here's the thing. We are an all-volunteer army who have been drafted into the realm of the impossible, okay? And so we are uh, spirit beings, and our life here on earth, though it may seem very um, natural to us, is in fact supernatural. I, I know that we cannot see what we look like in the spirit realm, but there have been uh, enough times I've had alone with the Lord, and he has shown me there is a light. It's called the armor of light. It's called the armor of God that the unseen realm can see. You see, you are a citizen of heaven, beloved. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you are born again by the Spirit of God, you are born into a kingdom of light, and that light reflects off of you. Now, again, we can't see that. But God tells us to put on the armor of light in Romans 13, 12. So that tells us that as children of the, of the Most High King, of the of victorious one who intercedes for us continually, we know that we can put on that armor. And we know it's a spiritual covering and it's protecting us in spiritual warfare. And again, this life is a battle. We know that. We live in enemy territory we know the whole world is under the power of the evil one all right so we can talk about some of the pieces of the armor for a minute because and i think it's important to do that and again this is a familiar passage ephesians 10 to 18 mentions six pieces of the armor of god and first of all the first thing that i want to talk about are the loins being girt about uh with truth it's like a belt so the loins are the reproductive parts of a person, right? And it's the procreative part of the body. And it speaks of the ability to reproduce, all right? So as, as we have truth securely fashioned, as we take up the truth that's in God's word, friends, and again, there is a place for prophetic words. There is a place for dreams. There is a place for visions. But again, when you have a human element involved, there is possibility of error and uh, partial truth, all right? But the word of God is all true. It's all inspired, and it's absolutely infallible, and God says he watches over his word to perform it. He's watching over the word he spoke over you, and he is performing it now, and the enemy wants you to believe that God can't do it or won't do it or has forgotten about you or you just don't measure up, that, number one, is a lie. So that's a voice, the lying spirit that tries to come because if we understand that facts and truth are not the same, we can assimilate facts, we can study, we can read, we can watch videos, we can go to conferences, on and on and on. And there is a place for that, 
all right? But facts and truth are not the same. It is the truth that sets us free. Jesus said so in John 8. And we are sanctified by the truth. He gave us birth through the word of truth. James 1.18 tells that. Did you know that? that? That spirit of truth found a resting place on the inside of you when God turned on the light that one day and you realized, I am lost, I need a savior. And that truth then, by the spirit, who Jesus called the spirit of truth, the comforter, he said, when he comes, he's going to show you everything that is mine, and he's going to show it to you. And so those who have a love of the truth will not be deceived. Now, here's where I'm asking you to listen to me really carefully, because I don't want to be misunderstood. He never told us to have a love of supernatural signs and wonders, all right? He never told us to have a love of something outside of the word of God, okay? If it's in God's word and a love of the truth, 2 Thessalonians 2.10, those who have a love of the truth will not be deceived. Remember the chief parable that Jesus told. He told us that was the parable of the sower, And he said in uh, Mark's account, I believe it was, I think it's chapter 9, I don't have it open, but in the parable of the sower, Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, it's the chief parable, how then will you understand all other parables? Now, here's the thing. Every time God speaks truth, regardless of what the subject is, all right, there are going to be different conditions of the heart at any given time when the word of God goes forth. We're told that the word of God is sown and it falls on some kind of soil, all right? We know that it can be soil by the wayside where the birds come and pick it up. It can be soil choked with thorns. It can be soil um, that has uh, rocky soil in it, but there's also soil that is good soil. And when the seed falls on the good soil, it brings forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. But if we have hardened our heart into a certain area of truth that God has said, this is truth and this is my word, the enemy can come and snatch that thing. Let's remember that we're not immune to deception. Again, the enemy does not want the people of God to hear the truth. He will try to distract you and I. From reading and studying the word of God, he will try to distract you and I from prayer, from fellowship with the saints, and from evangelism. That is what uh, we see the early church did. This is the call of the church, the great, part, the great commission. Again, if he can sidetrack us with distractions uh, to keep us out of God's word instead of in, and studying God's word, meditating on God's word. Again, scripture says that we are to study so that we're not ashamed, a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. So our loins have to be girt about like a belt with truth. Amen. And that belt, by the way, is clamped on and clasped on, okay? Now, the next thing I want to talk about was the breastplate of righteousness. Now, again, over our heart, guarding our heart, and the strength of the piece of this armor, uh, again, the righteousness of Christ, 
that is imputed or ascribed by Christ, right? But guess what? He's also expecting that we would be producing actual righteousness actively and practically, all right? And so with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And First John tells us, Everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So we're going to keep practicing righteousness. And we have to put on our feet, have to, uh, feet have to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means we have to have focused preparation. God is calling us up higher, beloved. He's calling us upward. Remember in the Song of Solomon, uh, the beloved calls to his bride, come up, come up with me. And this is a living demonstration of walking out the grace of God. And if I carry the gospel, which he calls us to do, that means good news. Okay, so that means that I have peace with God. And wherever I take that gospel, it's called good news. So, beloved, we have to make a, a concerted effort and choice to, to read good news, to hear good news, and not just focus on the political economic upset and the um, distractions that are continually bombarding us every day. Because if we don't, we're going to be discouraged. We're going to lose our joy. We're going to lose our focus. We can become deceived because all of these things are clamoring for our attention. Remember, gospel means good news. And we take up that shield of faith, beloved, and these um, the shield extinguishes these fiery darts, these flaming missiles in ancient days. These Roman soldiers would dip uh, the tip of their arrows in a tar or a flammable uh, substance and light it on fire, and then they would send those arrows out. And so if a soldier is holding his shield correctly, it will be the most prominent thing that you see about him. It's held up in front. And, beloved, you can t- after a few minutes of talking with somebody, you can tell if they're, if they're walking by faith. You'll hear it in their voice. You'll know it by the testimony that they share. You will know if someone is walking by faith, if their faith and confidence is in God, if their faith and confidence is in a king who says, there's no condemnation in my kingdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the message of the kingdom will produce a people who have not only a heavenly language, but a heavenly lifestyle with a mind set on the heavenly realm. Beloved, we don't belong here. We're passing through. We're being proven. But we got to stay dressed in that armor of light. We have to take up the helmet of salvation. And again, this is right thinking, a kingdom mindset. The helmet covers the mind, right, and the thinking. So let me ask you, what have you been dwelling on lately? What do you spend your time thinking about? Part of it. We have to take the time during the day to be renewed by the word of God because the word of God is putting on right thinking. That's the mind of Christ, right? Philippians 2. And the helmet is the hope of our salvation. The word repent is a Greek word, metanoia, right? And that means to have a new mind, all right? And so when Jesus brought the message to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, uh, he told them, he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, uh, these ears were covered, the, whole, the helmet covered over the ears, over the forehead, and a small way down the back. So believers have one mind, okay? See, there wouldn't be any 
arguing and discord among the brethren, Father, if our friends, if our focus was on Jesus and on a heavenly kingdom, there are a lot of things that the body of Christ can disagree upon, and we all certainly have our own opinions. But if we understand that the enemy attacks the mind and he wants us to entertain his desires and to tempt us to sin, you see, he wants to create division in marriages, in households, uh, among family members, among friends, among brethren in Christ, and discord here and there. And what we have to do is we have to keep that helmet buckled on. We have to pick up the sword of the Spirit and rightly divide the word of truth. First Timothy 2.15, right? This is our offensive weapon, okay? It is what we, uh, we, we present and block the negative words. We destroy evil speculations, and we learn to be quiet if we just don't know. If we know something is going to be harmful, uh, to a brother or a sister. We don't want to say something that's going to harm them because some can use that sword uh, to injure others, but we want to just simply present that sword because when we present the word of God, it does the dividing, right? It separates between thoughts and intents of the heart, joints and marrow, soul and spirit. It's living and powerful, beloved. That word, Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is living and powerful. It pierces and it penetrates and it divides in three arenas. Okay, ready? Between soul and spirit. Now, the soul, as we've said before, the mind, the emotions, the will, and the intellect. All right? Joints and marrow, thoughts and intents of the heart. So this is the deepest part of us. So as we take the word of God up, it is truth, beloved, that's going to separate that which is speculation from that which is truth. Prayer and speaking God's word will help his kingdom to come. Amen. We can hasten, all right, the coming kingdom. That's what the word talks about. We can hasten the Lord's coming by obeying him, by speaking the word, by sharing God's uh, gospel. And Isaiah 55, 11 says that God watches over his spoken word to perform it in the earth. So again, we put on the full armor of God. Those first three pieces of armor that I mentioned are clamped on, clasped. They're tied and buckled and locked into place. They're immovable. God says, keep them on. The last three pieces of armor are utilized by the hand as the battle ensues. And so we appropriate the full armor of God, which in fact is the armor of light because, beloved, you are a spirit being, and if you are in God's kingdom, you are clothed in light. The enemy sees it. The angels of God see it. We cannot see into the spirit realm unless God opens our eyes, and we must continue to go forward. If we turn back, we are not covered, okay? So retreat is not an option. Hallelujah. And those who have a love of the truth are not going to be deceived. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about Babylon briefly, and I talked about the voice of religious Babylon. Now, I just want to lightly touch on something concerning the concept of Babylon, okay? Um, In its broadest sense, it is a system of human endeavor that is independent of the ways of Almighty God. 
So when we talk about Babylon's influence in the church, okay, and we hear a lot of talk about economic Babylon, uh, political Babylon. I mean, we hear it all the time. Um, We know that it exists. We try to follow and keep up what's going on. Um, Let me just briefly talk for just a minute about some of the activity. And some of you probably have heard this. Um, when the Secretary General of the United Nations launched the Common Agenda Policy on the Complex Global Shocks this past March. Some of you may have heard about that. Now, again, we are listening to a voice that represents political and economic Babylon, and it will combine together with religious Babylon to form it in its completion at the very end, we're seeing tenants of this coming together. And some of these complex global shocks that they're talking about, okay, um, there were seven that they named. And I'm just going to quickly mention them because there is a voice behind this, but it is uh, a, the voice of men. It is not the voice of our Heavenly Father, but it's good to know the bloop of the enemy. Amen? It's good to know Uh, what is being planned by the enemy, but again, balance it with the fact knowing that we live in the kingdom of light, but we still walk upon earth, which is in its state, uh, is fallen uh, with other fallen human beings. So here we go. There were seven that they said that they were talking about, and we know that these are things that they're planning or they would like to plan. But again, our heavenly father has to give the final okay, the kingdom of darkness may plan certain things, but our Heavenly Father is ultimately in control. Again, these complex global shocks. Number one, they said watch for a major climactic event. Number two, future pandemic coming. We've heard about that. Number three, an event involving biological agents. Number four, disruption to global flows of goods or people. Number five, cyberspace and global digital connectivity disruption. We know about that. We've heard about what can happen with our infrastructure, right? Six, a major event in outer space. This was one of their complex global shocks they're trying to prepare the people for. And number seven, an unforeseen black swan event. So this was launched and it was called our Common Agenda by the Secretary General, this was March of this year. And then again, some of you may have heard of this, but again, we're talking about Babylon and the voice of economic Babylon and political Babylon. All right, on June 5th of this year, the Director General of the World Health Organization also made an announcement. They talked about the initiation and the certification system which they call the Global Digital Health Certification Network. This is what they plan to implement in conjunction with World Economic Forum, United Nations, World Health Organization. These organizations, which are fallen, which have been created by men, have a voice. And we're talking about recognizing these voices and not allowing these voices to dictate to us, nor to allow us to become fearful. With this Global Digital Health Certification Network, 
they talk about an international digitalized certification with your vaccination card, routine immunizations, QR codes, international patient summaries, digital global IDs. We've heard about that a lot. We've talked about it. But this is how they, their pattern, this is what they do. They create the problem, right? They're the ones that create and initiate this because they want to have order out of chaos. This is their pattern to control. First, they create the problem, right? The event, the global shock. Secondly, they think, they tell us, that they're going to find a solution to the problem. But it's really them who create the problem, and then they say they will have a solution to the problem, and then they offer the solution, and they become the saviors of the problem. Now, when we're talking about Babylon and, and the concept of Babylon being a system of human endeavor, this is what man does independent of the ways of Almighty God. So Mystery Babylon is also called the woman, okay? And so that refers to an international power, for by her magic spells and sorceries, all of the nations were deceived. And Babylon, as you know, invented magic, and every occultic practice can be traced in some form back to ancient Babylon. And um, for those of you who, who have read the passage in Genesis in chapter 10, um, you can go back and look at it later. But I want to bring up the name Nimrod because there's something interesting here. Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. In fact, in description of his name, we find the word mighty comes up something like four times. And he is like the God of this world who hunts for the souls of men. So he organized a revolt in defiance of God's will, okay? And he is a type of the Antichrist, the last great world leader. And it was Nimrod, okay, who instituted, instituted a new idolatrous worship, and he built a world empire to be a center of unity over which he would be king over all the people. And the people said this way back in Genesis. And I tell you what, there's nothing new under the sun, right? This is what they said. Let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. So the natural man, the fallen nature of man says, we want to get together and build ourselves something. We want to build ourselves a city and a tower that's going to reach heaven. And originally, and at that time, Babylon was um, means confusion, but it was also called the gate of God for man wanting to build a monument on earth for the glory of man, okay? And so, again, uh, it encompasses the political, the economic, and the religious together as it forms a complete thing in the term that we use, Babylon. Now, in Isaiah 14, uh, we read about the king of Babylon, and he's, the king of Babylon is referred to in the King James as Lucifer, other translations as, uh, as the star of the dawn. Now, we know Jesus is the bright morning star, but again, Lucifer and the enemy uh, being the counterfeit it was his desire to, to ascend into heaven, and that's what he said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. 
I'm going to sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I'm going to ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'm going to be like the Most High. And so this individual, Nimrod, is an interesting representation because he wanted to be lifted up. They wanted to build their own tower that would reach to heaven. This would, again, speak to us even of Babylonian ministry and religious Babylon as it applies there. So it's full of deception. It's full of false teaching, Babylonian practices, and sadly to say, the uh, Babylonian church services have become little more than social clubs or even centers for entertainment. There are those who attend religious services out of a sense of duty or to appease their guilty conscience. And religious Babylon will offer a false sense of security for those within its system. It offers an assurance of salvation, comfort, and status, and identity, and position instead of, listen, intimacy with Jesus Christ and obedience to his word. Religious Babylon is the counterfeit church that at the end of the age, it's characterized by self-will, personal ambition, and it melts and blends together with the economic and political mess that we call Babylon. And I also want to just share, too, as well, that there are many teachings. There is error that has come into religious Babylon. Um, There's, again, when false messengers, false teachers, false prophets introduce their um, visions or their teachings or their messages, They have to present truth along with it, otherwise the people are not going to buy it. And those who are not grounded in the word of righteous beloved, especially the young ones, okay, especially those that have been wounded in the house of the Lord. Jesus said it. He said, I, too, was wounded in the house of my friends. So we want to be praying for those whose lives have gone down a rabbit hole here, and they've wandered off into into the reeds. See, So this dominionism teaching and the latter reign and the new apostolic reformation and the word of faith, kingdom now, seven mountain mandates are a false teaching introduced with true scripture. So they are are presented together. And 2 Peter 3.16 tells us that it's the untaught and the unstable who distort the scriptures. So, beloved, it's so important to be grounded in the word of God. It's so important to have those elementary um, doctrines established in our life. Here's the thing about Babylon. Uh, Religious Babylon builds their own towers. Now, in scripture, we read that these towers originally were made of dirt, and these are man-made bricks. This is what Babylon is building into the wayward church today. Now, there is a remnant church. There is a faithful church that is coming out of Babylon. And when I mean coming out of Babylon, I don't mean you move or leave the United States, okay? I'm talking about something beyond a geographical location or one nation because this is a spirit that is that is permeated the entire world. This is worldwide. This is not limited to one nation. So towers made of dirt, which are man-made bricks, and um, they use slime or tar for false protection. 
So monuments and houses that are built as a tribute to the talents of man within the church are built upon the sand of the earth. And they're sinking. I'm telling you right now, they are sinking. Um, Religious Babylon is marked by the pursuit also of hidden knowledge, esoteric mysteries, and experiences, which becomes a god that people worship. If you recall, you can go back and look at it in Acts 17, 16 to 23, Paul the Apostle entered in. He said, I'm going to declare to you the unknown God. He said, I see you're all very religious. You're superstitious. But let me tell you about the true God. You see, what's happened now with the wayward church, with the church of Laodicea, religious Babylon, which is a spirit, uh, there is a practice that is pretty widespread now. And this would be good homework for all of you listening, okay? So I'm going to challenge you to do your own study here and look up what Gnosticism is and mysticism, because, beloved, I'm telling you, it's everywhere. Uh, Paul encountered this when he was at Mars Hill. There was a combining of of some of the um, tenets of um, Greek philosophy, Oriental mysticism, and um, there's also Talmudic Judaism that is entered into the church, and their tenets of Christianity combined with all of this stuff, with the mysticism, with Greek philosophy. And so Gnosticism is the combination of this. And Jesus alerted, alluded to this um, through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 2, 6. He talked about his people that have been uh, entered in, engaged with the practices of the East. That's what he was talking about. So what we have now today, religious Babylon is, has become a destitute vineyard. Uh, Jeremiah 2:21 and Isaiah 5 talks about it. It produces worthless grapes. So the institutionalized religious church systems have produced briars and thorns instead of good fruit. So what happened, God says in this um, Jeremiah 2:12, is the choice vine has become the degenerate shoots of a foreign vine. God said, I planted the word here. What has happened? Well, man's influence has come in and said, we want to build church our way. We want to do it our way. And we want to bring in all these other tenants. And we want to be all inclusive. We want to be man-centered. And that sounds just like Laodicea, doesn't it? You see, this false Babylonian church that many attend, and please don't misunderstand me, there's a place to enter in to the assembly of the saints, but they're far and few between. But I tell you, God will connect you with faithful people, and he will connect you uh, to a, a fellowship of believers, whether it's in a home, in a building, or online, if you seek him. Because what's happened is in the church of Laodicea, in uh, religious Babylon, there is no brokenness. There's no call to repentance. There's no true encounter with the living Christ. There's no change in character, no new desires. There's no cross. It is a crossless church that Jesus told us about at the very end of the age. In fact, we all know that Jesus did not give a single word to commend the Laodiceans because they were a reflection of that worldly culture in which they live. We need to understand that religious Babylon is seeking to increase itself in power and position and riches and in numbers. 
And uh, Jesus himself is our true covering, by the way, beloved. And if you are um, a married uh, person, if you are a wife, your husband is your head, your covering, but ultimately Jesus is your covering. So don't let any minister of Babylon tell you that you need to support them financially uh, because they are entitled to your financial support. Uh, and in fact, many of them are hirelings and wolves. All right. So there are true, godly, under shepherds who are truly seeking to feed the sheep. They don't beat the sheep. They feed the sheep and they're becoming strengthened. So the faithful shepherd is worthy of support. That's 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. But the hirelings and the wolves of Babylon who have entered the church, who are trying to manipulate God's people, uh, don't allow it to happen. Ask the Lord to help you to recognize the voices of the hirelings. Ask him to help you to recognize the voice of the wolves. See, you may not even have known that individual was a wolf. So... Babylon and religious Babylon, what's happening now is we're seeing it in the political realm, in the economic realm. Uh, it pressures people, okay? So that same spirit of pressuring, pushing the people to give allegiance, okay, to their laws and their doctrines by imposing restrictions upon them or binding them to men and their organizations instead of releasing them to obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is that not happening in the political realm? Absolutely. Is that not happening uh, through the World Health Organization? You see, it's a similar spirit, but it's manifesting in different places, but it's still from the pit. Now, I want to share something, and again, I'm going to ask you to listen very carefully. I don't want to be misunderstood here. Sometimes we are. Jesus told us to come unto him, Matthew 11:28, not unto the church. I'm going to repeat that. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He did not say, come unto the church. The church is not the answer. Do you understand that? Jesus is the answer. All right? We are to be witnesses for Jesus, not for the church. All right? I have to say that again because I want to be understood. We are to be witness for the person of Jesus Christ, the author of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, Babylon's influence has helped to create the condition of Laodicea, which is a mess, okay? The church does not replace the king. Hallelujah. I thank God for brothers and sisters in Christ who I know are part of that remnant. They are part of the bride. They are in love with Jesus. They are sold out. They have left all. They have not looked back. They're just pressing forward. I thank God. For those individuals, and let me just tell you, they're individuals. They're not huge groups. I'm just not running into it. You see, Laodicea, as we know, has embraced that wide road that leads to death. Religious Babylon, which includes the emergent church, okay, which tolerates all faiths, is full of apostasy. And religious Babylon, the organized, man-centered, man-run, man-dictated, thinks it is a queen. 
Jesus said, come out of her, my people. Jesus wants an obedient, loving bride, not a queen. Revelation 18, 4 and 7. Religious Babylon thinks it is a queen. And Jesus says to his people, come out of her, my people. What we're talking about with Laodicea and this apostate church at the end of the age is the final era of the Christian church at the end of the age. And it represents the prevailing conditions of today and one that is compromising with the world. It's a worldly spirit, right? It's a church that loves to be entertained. It's a church that doesn't want to offend anybody. And Laodicea actually is a spiritual state of being. It is the religious climate, get ready, for the mark of the beast. Oh, God help us. Laodicea means, that word means, the people's opinions or the people's rights. You see, it is marked by a wide road, an all-inclusive man-centered gospel, which appeals to the masses. It tolerates all faiths. It's the emergent church. It's a social gospel. And this church rejects the personal application of the cross. It doesn't preach the full counsel of God. As we know, Laodicea had uh, considerable wealth in those days in the ancient world, and it was prosperous, was known for its banking operations, its commercial activity, and had a school of medicine also. And it, like Nimrod, some build themselves a city, Babylon, a tower, a ministry, and their own name, reputation, through human strength and wisdom, which is the mark of man. All right? So we're talking, too, about a church that's going to be absolutely blinded to the mark that is ultimately going to come as the mark of the beast will be required by those uh, who want to buy and sell. Now, this city, okay, of Laodicea didn't have any of its uh, water source of its own. So when Jesus recorded this, In the book of Revelation, when he gave this message to the Apostle John, he wrote about the seven churches. The people at that time understood Laodicea, what the environment was like, what the terrain was like, what the people were like. That city actually had no source of water for itself, okay? The city of Colossae supplied cold water to its citizens, and Hierapolis supplied therapeutic hot water to its citizens, so an aqueduct actually was built in Laodicea, which piped in water sources, okay, from both Colossia with cold water and Hierapolis with therapeutic hot water, but by the time it reached the citizens of Laodicea, the water itself was lukewarm. The lukewarm water of Laodicea, it wasn't hot or cold. And so the lukewarm state is a mark of spiritual decline. So it's speaking about a self-sufficient, complacent people who had lost their true Christian witness, their godly influence. So that voice of Babylon has permeated religious institutions who impose their own traditions, right? Their own rituals, their own bylaws, and their outward observations. But again, we have to read what God's word says. We don't abide by laws and doctrines and creeds that men have written. 
according to the new covenant, we don't keep the Sabbath by attending church meetings on a certain day. We keep God's law by walking in love when we enter into a living relationship with Jesus Christ, who is our Sabbath rest, according to Romans 13. Here's the thing. The influence of religious Babylon in our modern churches now, what has happened is it's caused fellowship of believers to turn themselves into corporate businesses according to the laws of the state. So what happens? They become a creation for the state. So when a ministry, when a quote ministry becomes a legal corporation, it's governed by men, right? And then it becomes product focused with programs and services. It becomes success-driven, and profit-oriented, Matthew 21. This sounds like some of the programs we can turn on television and watch called Word of Faith, Teaching, which is Error, Dominionism, the Prosperity Gospel, which is Error. Again, religious Babylon is marked by certain things, and certainly we can see it with Laodicea. Laodicea was marked by a wide road, okay? So that's what it looks like. It's not narrow, okay? It is a wide road, whereas the bride, as the one who's overcoming, is walking a narrow road. And let me tell you, it's a lonely road, and I know that you know that. Laodicea was marked by the human strength and wisdom of man. It also was known for its manufacturing for clothing. Uh, The sheep which grazed around the city were famous for the wool they produced. So God sees the fleecing of his sheep through some of these so-called ministries, but God's priesthood is clothed with linen, not with wool. You see, wool is a mark of that which causes sweat, and it comes from a beast. It was also famous for its school of medicine, and the medicine uh, which was produced there was for the healing of eyes and ears. That's why Jesus said, uh, you have need for some eye salve. You know, the people understood that there was medicine actually produced there in Laodicea. And this, again, is defining the church at the very end of the age, the final era of the Christian church. And Jesus sadly doesn't have a single word to commend this church which in fact has been permeated by the spirit of Babylon, the voice of religious Babylon, which is combining and will be combined in its completion at the very end prior to his return. The mark, again, that Jesus spoke about, I, I think we probably all can remember, he said, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth unless you repent He's pretty pretty clear here. He doesn't skirt around. He doesn't try to make, um, make it more palatable for any of us. He said of this condition that I've been talking about, he said, you're wretched, you're miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You need to repent. They'd left their first love. Religion was dictating to them as it's dictating to many people. Many of us have come out of religious Babylon. I have shared previously that I was raised a Catholic and went through Catholic school and it wasn't until my early 20s when I was born again that God turned the light on and then I was able to see that religion dictates three things, okay? 
It dictates where, when, and how to worship. But as we go on in our our walk with Christ, we realize church is not a building, all right? Church is a living organism. It's people, living stones. You see, true worship is not related to a location, right? True worship, beloved, is a cry of the heart. It is a lifestyle, and it is crying out to the Lord, asking him to deliver us from the God of this age and from anything that we still are carrying within us, the residue of uh, perhaps uh, belonging to an institution or the residue of having come out of false teaching or the residue of, of still clinging to something that is absolutely not scriptural. You see, false teaching and the spirit of error has marked Laodicea. Again, false teaching is a mixture of truth and error. And in some of the places I have been and people that I have talked to and some, sadly, that I cannot share with anymore, they clearly are embracing New Age doctrine and practices. And some believe that um, godliness is a means to gain and that wealth is a sign of God's approval upon their lives. Uh, You see, the merchants of Babylon have set up their business in God's house, making a profit through their buying and selling of the gifts. But Jesus wants us to have spiritual wealth, beloved. All right? He wants us to have spiritual wealth. He will meet the needs of his people. But our pursuit are not the things of this world. Our pursuit is not economic stability or political stability. You see, these things are all kingdoms of men. The whole immigration situation is uh, and the immigration um, person that has the oversight of that, that is a kingdom of men. And so finances and wealth and immigration and uh, transportation, on and on it goes. These are all under kingdoms of men. They're being run by men with the wisdom of men. And so we see uh, because we are in the kingdom of God and because we are spiritual beings and our armor is full of light because we walk in light Here's the thing. We have a sound mind that flows with truth and revelation, not tradition. So praise God for those of us that Jesus has allowed us to break out of the tradition of religion. And praise God, he has set us free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting us free. And so what's happening now? Here we are. He wants us to have spiritual wealth because, beloved, let me tell you, when he comes, the Bible says his reward is with him. He will give to every man according to what he has done. So what's happening now? He's producing gold tried in the fire, all right? He says if we want to have spiritual riches, our character will be forged in fire, painful, testing, afflictions. You see, real spiritual treasure has to be exchanged for the counterfeit. We can't serve both God and mammon. Gold in scripture is symbolic of purified faith in the divine nature. We know that. So God has to thoroughly purge us from the dross of our own ways. First Peter 1.7 says that. So when we think about the gold, and we hear a lot of people talking about it's a good idea to invest in gold. And for some, perhaps, That's what the Lord would say. But again, what is our focus? We have to talk about focus here. We're talking about 
spiritual wealth and gold tried in the fire. That has to be our focus, beloved, not the things of the earth. It has to be our focus, our kingdom focus, uh, because we are a people who live with the the precious privilege of sharing a gospel. And it's a supernatural life, how he sustains us and he keeps us going and he gives us joy in the midst of our trials. And it's ministered by a supernatural people. Now, you may not feel so supernatural, but let me tell you, the spirit of the Lord dwells in you. If you belong to Jesus Christ, he loves you, he cherishes you, and he has confidence of the Holy Spirit living in you. And so when Jesus said, you need white raiment, Laodicea, all right, again, because the people knew that there was um, sheep that were um, being raised in that area, and they understood the whole wool concept and the linen, the Lord wants us to place our focus on the linen of his righteousness. And that white linen is needed to cover the shame of our naked condition. Now, we may not feel naked, but Jesus said, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So until he changes us, beloved, that's what we are. He has to clothe us with himself, cover us with linens of righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ, and the false coverings of Babylon will be exposed. In fact, we know what happened with Achan back in the book of Joshua, he coveted and he took a Babylonian garment and it brought judgment all over the place. God said, I don't want it in your house. I don't want anything of Babylon in your house. And you see these false coverings will be exposed, okay? Fig leaves are unacceptable. I heard someone say, put it this way, fig leaves, vegetarian underwear. I thought that was pretty clever. Vegetarian underwear, fig leaves, right? But God says it's unacceptable. The only thing that can cover you is the blood of Jesus Christ, the linens of righteousness, and the garments of salvation, Babylonian garments and practices and so on and so forth are forbidden according to God's word. And then finally said I solve. And we talked briefly about I solve because there was a school that compounded medicine there at Laodicea. So the people knew about the I solve. Now, here's the thing. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Okay. He cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus knew he was blind, right? Mark 10. But sadly, the Laodicean church and the Babylonian religious, um, religious Babylon does not know that they are blind. And that itself is a divine judgment. It's one thing to know you are blind, but it's another thing to think you see, but you can't, that you are, in fact, blind. Jesus, as you know, referred to uh, the scribes and the priests, and, as, um, and he was trying to exhort the people. He said, don't follow them. He said, the blind lead the blind, and they both fall into the ditch. So the Laodicean church or individual Okay, again, that's every one of us until Jesus begins to do a deep work within us, okay? And boy, those eyes of flame, he has eyes that are like flames of fire. We read about that in the first part of the book of Revelation. Those eyes can see everything, beloved. I'm telling you, it's like his feet are 
burning like um, brass in the fire. His eyes are like flames of fire. Nothing gets past him, all right? We don't play games with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He means business. He wants us to wake up, and he wants us to be able to see and understand that we too can be deceived. If we don't ask him to expose deception, we probably won't see it. We have to ask him to give, him, give us eyes to see, all right? The Laodicean individual does not know they are blind. They need to discern their present condition to see revelation truth, to perceive and interpret what is being revealed in this hour by the Holy Spirit. The eyes need to be anointed for healing. You see, the spiritually blind man, according to Leviticus 21, is not supposed to offer the bread of God. But, beloved, there are individuals offering the bread of God, and the scripture gives a long list in Revelation 21 of um, certain uh, flaws or blemishes that were not allowed on the priest. This is a type and a figure of spiritual uh, blemishes, okay? So if someone is blind, they could not offer the bread of God, all right? Do you understand that? So Jesus says you have to have eyes to see, and if you're not discerning all of these voices, how then can you feed the people? How then can you tell them, thus saith the Lord, if you haven't been meditating day and night in the word of God? Now, again, please hear me carefully. The lukewarm believer, all right, apostate religious Babylon does not sense any need to be broken or contrite because, you see, they think they know, they think they see, and they're not stirred by a conviction of sin. And they won't hear or receive a a piercing message. No, they don't want to hear it. Um, You're too judgmental. You're unkind. You're too narrow-minded. No, you see, it's because people are accustomed to a seeker-friendly, politically correct, self-serving, watered-down gospel of ease and convenience. This is a mark. Notice that word. I'm saying it again. This is another mark that distinguishes Laodicea. It's lost, it's salt, and it's light. And instead of being salt, right, and salt we know is a preservative, which flavors food, and it also keeps it from spoiling. What happens, Jesus said, if, you, if salt loses its savor, he said it's worthless. Worthless salt is cast out and trampled underfoot, Matthew chapter 5. Now, that is tough, but Laodicea was given a very strong rebuke. And we're told, if we read that scripture, and I know that you have, We are seeing that Jesus is knocking. Okay, he's knocking. He will not force his way into our lives, into our fellowships, into our relationships. He must be invited, and he wants to sup with us. That word sup refers to the evening meal. So that's the main meal of the day in which people would linger and fellowship and so on. So he's looking for a contrite, repentant heart, because that's what's needed to lead to intimate communion and relationship with him. Friends, if the brokenness is not there, if the repentance is not real, if there's no true encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's no change, if there's no picking up of the cross, 
therefore, there can be no true worship in spirit and in truth. And we talk about how important it is to enter into worship with the Lord. And we do, and it's a lifestyle. We praise him and we thank him for his goodness. But there are conditions here. And there are drastic measures that God is having to use to awaken the lukewarm. And my husband and I were talking earlier. We are talking to a lot of people who are waking up. And my husband initiates a lot of conversations with people. He's a really friendly guy. In fact, he's always talking to strangers. And our son made the comment one day. He said to me, he says, Mom, does Dad know that guy? I said, no. He just starts talking to people. He finds a certain common ground, and then he'll share something God will allow him many times just to drop a little seed in, a little seed of gospel truth in there. So you see, Jesus is using drastic measures, and and so we're going to be seeing things happen to the economy, to the infrastructure, to the banking system, in the political uh, situation that we have to endure, and this mess that we have to listen to. I'm telling you, it's a swamp. On the inside out, every party I'm sorry, but these are kingdoms of men, folks, and they are polluted and they are filthy. All right. I know some of you might get mad. It's okay. I'm used to it. It won't be the last time. But let me just say something. God is using drastic measures to awaken the lukewarm. So what's he doing? He's allowing things, and he will allow things, to become very severe to awaken those who are destined for destruction. So these wake-up calls that God is going to send, now we we heard about these uh, others, you know, the World Health Organization talking about these uh, shock things. Okay, well, God is going to send his own wake-up calls, and he's going to do it his way. Now, he will allow the wicked to participate in what he is doing. It's, you know, the God of this world is, is still prince of the power. He's still here, but God has a final call. And he will allow these conditions to become very severe because there are those who are destined for destruction, all right? So here's the thing. Statements are absolute and true and always inspired and infallible. Some visions, some prophetic words, some teachings, and some messengers are not absolute, are not uh standing in the the height and the quality of the inspired scriptures. Beloved, it's good to listen to those who claim to speak for Christ and their character lines up. It's a good thing to listen to it. But let me tell you here, human beings are infallible. And the prophets in scripture that we read about, the minor prophets, the major prophets, these are the ones, and especially King Jesus, these are the words that we are to focus on. He watches over his word. He will perform it. He is absolutely faithful. He is the amen. His statements uh, leave no room for debate and no room for error. So if someone has a track record and they keep saying this is going to happen on this date, it's time sensitive, as John mentioned earlier, and it's never right, guess what? Uh, You may be uh, dealing with someone that is a false messenger here. Because God's messengers are accurate, beloved, and his word always has to line up with those messages. Full in the true witness says, you can't add to or take away from the words that I have written. Now, 
Let me give you an absolutely glorious promise to the one who repents. After we read and study these seven churches, and we've talked about tonight, Laodicea, we've talked about tonight how religious Babylon uh, is seeming to be increasing and growing in numbers. This is absolutely a wonderful, glorious, encouraging promise. Notice what Jesus said. He says this. A promise, you see, is given to the one who repents. He said to he that overcomes, okay, overcomes what? Their lukewarm state. Who overcomes their wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, compromising state. Okay, Jesus said if you truly repent, and again, this word is for every single one of us, every single one of us. If you overcome, if you repent, if you sup with me, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. He says this, I will grant to you to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I am sat down with my father in his throne. What an encouraging, outstanding promise to the one who overcomes. What a glorious hope we have, beloved, for those who come unto him. Again, Jesus said, come unto me. He didn't say, do not come unto the church. We are grateful for the living organism that God calls the church. We are grateful for the faithful church. But I'm hoping tonight that you see the distinction and you'll be able to understand that there is a division taking place. There is a separation that has begun between wise and foolish virgins. Jesus has already uh, set the plumb line in the midst of his house. Jesus is already describing what the apostate woman looks like, but he also describes what his bride looks like, what his faithful church looks like. Because you see, the apostate still enters in and enjoys the spiritual competition and performance because religion is performance-driven. But the trait of the bride, you see, the one who loves him and is walking on that narrow road, she doesn't seek to impress the others, okay? So the voices saying, come and join this organization and agree to our bylaws and our doctrines and our practices and our rituals, you see, she says, no, She said, I'm not going to adhere to your organization. I am going to cling to the person of Jesus Christ. Because you see, Babylon, whether it's economic Babylon, religious, or political Babylon, utilizes guilt and manipulation in an attempt to control others to do their will. But you see, the faithful church, the faithful bride walks in love and releases others to do the Father's will, whereas the apostate promotes and builds their own kingdom, the faithful bride seeks the eternal kingdom of God. And while the apostate may have her fellowship among the multitudes and is partying and hanging out with the multitudes, you see, her fellowship, 
she goes alone outside the camp. That's where Jesus was crucified, beloved. Jesus was crucified outside the camp. And while the apostate follows the rules of the institutions, the faithful church isn't listening to that voice because she follows the lamb wherever he leads. And you see, while the apostate is seeking position and power and influence, because that's what Babylon loves, the faithful bride, the faithful church, makes herself of no reputation. Jesus never did. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of the servant, and bore his cross. And while the apostate is seeking, um, pursuing pleasure and ease and comfort, The faithful is pursuing the presence of Jesus Christ. And while the apostate congregations are entertaining and appeasing the people, the faithful church, many are offended by her because she doesn't compromise because she speaks and preaches the cross of Jesus Christ. And while religious Babylon is influenced by Jezebel because Jezebel and the church there tolerate, that's a spirit, tolerates idolatry and spiritual fornication. The faithful church member, the faithful bride refuses to be seduced by or to participate in charismatic sorcery. And beloved, that is going on among the apostate churches today. And while the apostate churches continue uh, to fear the response of the people, you see, the man and the woman of God who are faithful to the Lord Jesus, they fear and reverence the Lord. They don't fear the response of the people. And while the apostate church is distracted by the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, for the faithful believer, the faithful church, Jesus is her life. And so while the apostate indulges herself And this group who calls themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, this wicked demonic group that mocks the cross of Christ, while they indulge themselves and they want their own way, we have a faithful church, beloved, and faithful individuals who deny themselves and are choosing God's way. You see, the apostate church, religious Babylon, has no oil for their lamp. They may have a profession of faith, but the faithful bride, the faithful church, has a full measure of oil. You know, there's a lot that we could say and comparisons could be made, but let me just say this. There are many voices that are gone out in the earth, and all of them have significance. That's what Paul told the church at Corinth. You see, obtaining God's kingdom promises because we are a kingdom people involves leaving everything behind to follow him. And I know that you know that, and I know that you've heard it, but beloved, we are going to be tested in every single relationship. We are going to be tested with every blessing God has given us, and he's given us so many. His testing will reveal who or what we really love. It will reveal our our allegiance. You see, the voice of the kingdom is calling, come up higher. This voice is saying God expects and demands 
purity in the life and overcoming temptation. That means we don't even look at those things. We don't think on those things. It means we put them out because we have that helmet of salvation on. And so this kingdom power that God has given his people, and he has given us power, and the power of God does dwell within you by his Holy Spirit, beloved. Your sound mind that flows with truth and revelation is so powerful. We can hear these other voices, and they'll clamor for our time, for our attention, but when God gives supernatural peace, when we're hearing revelation, when we're walking in communion with him, what a place of joy. And the enemy wants to rob God's people of joy and peace. Okay, he tells us to labor to enter into his rest. So that tells us that we're going to have to work at it. We have to guard it. And the willingness that you have to lay down your life as a sacrifice, and you do, through the ministries where how you serve the Lord and his people, through your giving, through your intercession, through your kindness. I want you to know Jesus sees that. And I'll tell you what, he sees light coming from you. The enemy sees that light coming from you, and he wants to put that light out, but he's not going to win, and he can't do it. You see, because you and I consistently yield, our desire, Lord, is to consistently yield to the headship of Jesus Christ, means that he is our head. We have the mind of Christ. We follow his voice and the voice of a stranger we're not going to follow. We know that even though the kingdom dwells within us right now, because we're told it does not come with observation, it is presently dwelling within the people of God, within kingdom people who you are. You are anointed by God. You are called by God. He's called you into the kingdom for a time such as this. And his justice, oh, how we long for his justice, right? Don't we all long to see justice? In his kingdom, there is absolute justice, integrity, and virtue, and uprightness, and holiness. And beloved, these things dwell within you. And when our king returns, when he sets up his kingdom, these things will be realized throughout the earth, and he will put down all rebellion, all wickedness, all discord. And he that overcomes, according to his word, will sit down with him in his throne. Jesus said, even as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Beloved, I want you to know that I love you. I thank God for the privilege of sharing with you. And I pray that you heard his voice tonight. And know this as we sign off now. Faithful is he that has called you. And faithful is he that is able to bring it to a completion. Amen and amen. God bless you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That is absolutely powerful. I was just having some... uh... As, as you were wrapping it up, Sister Terry, there was a little bit of discussion in the background about uh, a couple of things going on out there, but you're absolutely right. Um, it, it is a very subtle, um, you know, the uh, the 
You can have a situation. Let, let me let me try to put it like this, and I think uh, you know the, the the listeners will understand this clearly. You can have a situation where nine. I, I, I'm just using this terminology to try to make a point. Where 98% of everything that you see, everything that you hear, everything that you experience, is absolutely, and you are so overwhelmed. You are just in love with that gathering, with that gathering of Christians. You absolutely love it. But there's one, there's a hole, there's a little tiny hole, and it, all it takes is a little tiny hole in the bottom of a very large ship to sink it. And unfortunately, we've come to a time today where some of the holes are giant. <laughs> I mean, they're just flagrantly in your face, unbelievably giant. I mean, you know, just to, to hold up as an example, the uh, splitting of the Methodist uh, ministry faith um, over, you know, whether or not homosexuality is allowed in the church or whether or not it isn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, that the, the the stuff that's going on out there, the debates, the they're even talking about having artificial intelligence rewrite the Holy Bible uh, to make it the way that they want it, all encompassing, all accepting, all, you know, personally, I don't really even want to be, I don't want to be introduced to a version of Jesus that isn't convicting. You know, when I watch Jesus on the on the big screen, I want to see the Jesus that I see when I read the Gospels, where he comes in and said, and, and where he lays down the law. I don't want to use the term law as in Old Testament law, but what he does is he raises the bar, and he says, you may have heard that it was okay to do this and this, but I say... And the next thing out of his mouth is he's raising the bar. He's increasing the the you know uh, the, there are requirements to walk in holiness he's tightening down uh the things that we're expected to do to walk in his perfect will and um uh and you are so right because it, it's very very subtle very very deceptive and unfortunately is this is just not the time i mean we're not that there is ever a time that it should be okay but we're so close right now, and yeah, I mean, we have to really know our Bible super duper well because the day is coming, probably I mean, it sure seems like it that you know it's going to be harder and harder possibly to even get a hold of a Bible. I don't know. It's hard to tell how long we're going to be here in the midst of all of the horrible things that are supposed to be coming upon the earth. And But anyway, I just wanted to say a special word of thanks for this message. It's such a powerful message, and it's such a subtle attack against the rigor, the rigor of our walk in holiness and righteousness and our constant striving and self-examination and repentance and changing our ways and to walk in perfect harmony with the Lord and not be tricked so easily done by the words of the people that are in any particular church building that you may attend. Um, you really, really got to read your Bible on your own, to Terry's point, and she's right, because that's when the Lord will embed that truth into your heart, and, can, and it'll convict you, and you will change your ways, you will repent, and you will become closer to Him as a result of it, and that's exactly what our walk in sanctification is all about. Thank you, Terry, so much. What a really important message this was tonight. God bless you for joining us. Well, thank you, John, and God bless all of you. 
God bless you all. Thank you for joining us Sunday to Sunday, June the 18th. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Lord willing. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Terry. Powerful, powerful message. God bless you.
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.